Welcome, all you creepy goofballs, to the Graveplot Podcast. I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And this is episode two. Nope. What? No, it's Octoberama. <laughs> I was going to say episode two of Octoberama. Oh, as, since we're in the 200s, I thought you were going to say 200 and something. This fucking guy. You're a fucking guy. <laughs> uh, hey, guys. Uh, welcome to the show. Hopefully this is not the first time you're joining us this month, because you might be, well, maybe not lost. It's hard to get lost in the show, except when we start rambling. Which happens a lot. It happens so much. But anyway, this is episode two of Octoberama. Octoberama, of course, is our annual tradition of celebrating the spooky season. Every week in October, we come out with a brand spanking new episode uh, with a theme. We do themes, guys. It's a theme show. Uh, first week is Week of the Vampire. Second week is Week of the Zombie. Uh. <laughs> and that's what we're doing here. That's what, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, that's the show. This, of course, uh, in, our, in our October schedule, we alternate between a full-length episode and a fun-size episode. Patent pending. We backdoor you with fun-size episodes. <laughs> Um, where uh, we and we, then we big league you with full size episodes. It's true. Um, yeah, we uh, we skip past the horror business and we just go directly into the film reviews. Uh, this is also big news, guys. This is our ten year anniversary that we've been doing this show. That's ridiculous. It's, I never would have imagined. No, not at all. Like, I definitely would have pegged us for doing this for, like, maybe a year. Yeah. Just knowing us. Because <laughs> we've, uh, we've had several things, several... Uh, ventures. Ventures. That's, that's a good word. Uh, in the past that just didn't really go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Either through just, uh, you know, failures, <laughs> failure after failure, or, <laughs> or just a lack of effort on our part. Or a little bit of both. Or a little bit of both. Usually both. Usually both. <laughs> it's like, you know, this isn't going anywhere. I don't want to do this anymore. Yep. But this, I mean, since we started out doing it for ourselves, eventually we stopped looking at numbers and we were just like, who cares? Let's just do it. Yeah, it was a lot more fun when we started doing that. Yeah. Um, Are you really quiet? Say something. Something. You are really quiet. Are I am really quiet. Maybe there? I don't know. Hold on, I gotta fix Taylor's mic. Please cut this. <laughs> Always fixing something with Taylor. Uh anyway. Yeah, so ten years, guys. I mean we've done a 
I remember how like we've been saying, oh, we should do something like really, really cool for our ten year anniversary. Yeah, no, we didn't. No, <laughs> we told you we wouldn't. We told you we would talk about it and then not do it. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. We tried. I mean, we 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 kicked around some ideas. It just it wasn't attainable. We talked about live shows and virtual live shows and parties and hookers and blow and just yeah, none of it ever came to fruition. Yeah, I mean, like, the biggest concern was that we'd put on this big production and, like, nobody would come. Yep, that's kind of the story of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this, uh, what we ended up with is we're actually going to be trying to do a couple interviews this, uh, for the rest of the month. Um, we have an interview uh, on this episode. Um, um, we're going to be talking with the... the uh, not co, not co-created, co-founder uh, of uh, Bleeding Ham Film Festival, uh, which is a um, local film festival, uh, horror film festival, uh, a, a direct competitor with us. I don't know, it's, it's not really competition. It sucks. <laughs> don't go to it. Go to us instead. <laughs> no, they're they're in October. We're in February. They're in Bellingham. We're in Seattle. It's it's really not a competition. It's it's all uh, it's all friendly. Yeah, it's. I, I would even even if we were in contention with each other i wouldn't even call it a competition because everybody benefits really yeah um but uh go to bleedingham go to bone bat but most of all go to the great platform fest yes uh but anyway uh langley west like uh is is the co-founder and we're gonna be talking to him uh later on in the show or should we do it first I don't know. It's been so long since we've done an interview. I think like we should do it first because usually, like on a full size, we would do it in between horror business and the reviews. Right. So it makes sense to do it before the reviews, I think. Okay. All right. We'll do it first then. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, we're the, the kind of the goal for what we, what we can do for our 10th anniversary. So we wanted to kind of like spotlight some people who help with our local horror community. Langley is a co-founder of a horror film festival, um, and we're going to be talking to some, um, at least one other person um, in, in later episodes. Hopefully more, but we'll see how that goes. Um, but that's kind of how we're celebrating our 10-year, uh, just uh, showing appreciation to other people in our community that help, you know, kind of bolster our community. Community. <laughs> And and uh, our our profile. I mean, like, it, it, it we get a lot of um, uh, support and participation from the people in our local horror community. So it, it want to kind of showcase some of them a little bit. But anyway, um, yeah, ten years. It's been a long road. This it's is like the longest we've committed to anything. Yeah, like anything. Anything. Yeah. I, we haven't even been in our... Well, no. I'm going to say we've been in our relationships for 10 years. So like, so those, and then this. Yeah. That's really That's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> we are. We don't commit to things, guys. We're, we're big idea guys. <laughs> we come up with a big idea, and then it doesn't happen. And we're like, well, shit. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why didn't somebody make that happen for us? Yeah, it's like, why didn't someone just show up at our door with money and resources and be like, here's everything you need? And we're like, oh, thank you. You do it. Yeah. But put my name on it. <laughs> well, we suffer from uh, what I think a lot of people of our generation do, and that is uh, 
not wanting to talk to people, not wanting to network and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's that's the hard work for for millennials. It's true. Um, but we we do but what also, we can like, with the podcast. It's it's so easy because it's just the two of us. Yeah, like trying to you know we we talk about this a little bit with Langley, but like when you're you know trying to make a film, for example, you need a scriptwriter, you need actors, you need a cameraman, you need a gaffer, you need a producer, you need this, that, the other, and it's so much work just to not only get all those people together, but all the resources that you need. You know, you need cameras and microphones and costumes and right um but anyway uh so that's why we've been able to commit to the podcast because it's just two idiots and microphone yeah we we we, people who've listened to us for 10 years probably i doubt anybody's listened to us for 10 years yeah they probably got sick of us at some point anybody who listened to episode one was like nope unsubscribe yeah don't listen don't to episode one don't do it (laughs) it's Real bad. It's bad. I listened to on it multiple levels. Yeah, I, I listened to it a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's it's just really just the sound quality is bad, and we're bad at it. Yeah, because um, it's episode one. Right. We haven't found our our flow yet. Yeah, our our, our voices really because we sounded terrible. Like, yeah, because we were trying to be like, hey, we're a podcast host. Yeah. Thank you for joining the Grave Plot <laughs> Podcast. Um. Here's everything in the news this week. Right? <laughs> that was, I think, I mean, it's funny because I feel like our episodes used to be shorter then. <laughs> it's like we replaced all the news that we were talking about with bullshit, which, which is pretty on brand for us. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing is it's more on brand because before we were like, here's some news. Here's a thing. Here's this is happening. Okay. Oh, let's talk about something else. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we used to pack in, and it was no consistency. We didn't we we packed in as much stuff as we could, and you know whether that was five stories like we do now or ten stories, <laughs> it would change episode to episode. But yeah, no, we've we've definitely nailed down a style in ten years. You know, go us. Yeah, and we're damn it, we're sticking is, to is it. What we talked about doing in the first place, which is just us bullshitting, right? Yeah, and we've we've had people say that it's like you know listening to the show is just like sitting down and talking horror with your buddies, which is what we were going for. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, I mean, is well, you don't you don't fix it if it ain't broke. That's right. So, uh, you know, download numbers be damned. <laughs> we're gonna keep doing what we do. Um, oh, we should have we should have like something to to toast with. Um, give me a second. <laughs> oh yeah, you got, you got booze. All right, Taylor's gonna go get something to toast with. <laughs> I can't decide if I should keep this rolling or. No, don't do that. All right, Taylor's back. And we're back. And he's got uh, little drinky drinks for us. That's right. Anyway, so... Uh, and sp- spooky glasses. I'm Oogie Boogie. You're Sally. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> anyway, so here's to 10 years. Uh, here's to all the people, you know, regardless of how long you've been listening to us, if you've been listening to us for... Probably not 10 years, but, you know, for, for let's say, more than a year. 
Um, or if even if this is your first episode, thanks for joining us. And uh, here's to you, buddy. Australia. Burns so good. Anyway, I'm excited to get some four walls. Four walls. The always sunny whiskey. Oh, I didn't know they had one. I sent. Oh, it was that me. what it, what it is? Yeah. Oh, I thought they just had, were in a commercial for for a whiskey. Oh no, they made it. It's it's their brand. Oh, well that's neat. Yeah. What's? Oh yeah, it's it's an Irish and it's an Irish whiskey mixed with an American rye. Wait, is she, is she making something? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what I'm smelling. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not sure what it is, but um, anyway. Uh, okay. So, th- like I said, this is the week of the, of, of the zombie. Um, so, we've got a couple zombie flicks uh, for you. One is semi-recent. The other one, not so much. Not so recent. Uh, which one should we start with, Taylor? Are we doing the interview? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> It's been so long. It's been a long time. Like I, I'm, I'm wondering, like the, this little sound clip I always ran after interviews. I'm wondering if I still have that. Oh yeah. I mean, I can remake. I it. forgot you did that. Right. Well, okay. So <laughs> here we go. This is an, uh, a little interview we did with uh, Langley West. Enjoy. Uh, hey guys, uh, we're uh, here live with a with an interview. We haven't done one in very long time. In forever. It's. Uh, I think our last one was was Damien Leone. I think, I think it was Damien Leone. It was uh, when Terrifier One came out. Right. I mean, we've done interviews, but not one on our sh- like for other things, not on our show. That's true. So, uh, so forgive us if we're a little rusty <laughs> to to our listeners and to our guests. Uh, here with us uh, is Langley West, who is one of the co-founders of the Bleedingham Film Festival. Uh, welcome to the show, Langley. Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for uh, agreeing to come on. Like I said, uh, I mean, obviously we're rusty at this, so <laughs> if we drop the ball, just uh, Talking is us. talking. Find our <laughs> ignorance charming. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so... Um, we're just going to sit here and bury Bleedingham because they're our biggest rivals. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Bleedingham, it, uh, it's, it's, how many years have you gone now? This is going to be our 12th year. 12 years, wow. Yeah. I imagine you've come a, a, a long way since, since your beginnings. Yeah, um, when, we, when we first started it, we didn't know if it was um, going to be, you know, a, a recurring thing or not. Uh, we you know, came up with the idea and, and, and yeah, the first, I'd say the first couple of years, like we were, you know, every time out, we were learning something new, um, things changed as they went along and we figured, I mean, even, you know, down to like, um, uh, making the trophies, like, you know, that was, uh, an evolution and, you know, trying to figure, you know, figure out, you know, 
how is the judging going to work? What other prizes going to be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It took a few years, um, but once we once we got going, I I don't know. I'm guessing our fourth year on, like it's been pretty. It's been pretty standard, and it's grown each year. Um, we you know like everybody else had to deal with um, COVID um, because yeah. it is a live event in you know in a, a theater. And, uh, you know, I, we did like everybody, we pivoted and we were able to do it online. And, um, I, I'm really, really pleased that it is, um, become what it is and is continuing to gather steam. You know, this year, um, I think we have the largest group of entrants for Washington state films, which is, you know, it's, we get films from all over. We have an international section. We have a best feature section. Um, but really, the contest is for Washington State filmmakers. That was the whole idea, mm-hmm. was to get local filmmakers um, going and give them a venue where they could, you know, work. Not only show what they've been doing and have fun doing it, um, have a festival where they're able to show their chops by letting their hair down and having fun with horror films as opposed to, you know, maybe the um, more scholarly pursuits that they're learning in school or something like that. Um, You know, just to have a good time. But at the same time, also give them an arena um, to kind of duke it out. Um, Because the whole idea is that with every year as you're submitting films, you get better and you get stronger and you're off of your competition and the people that um, that you're working with. And that's been the most satisfying thing is that's exactly what's happened. We, we've seen filmmakers, um, you know, start out exactly what you would think a beginning filmmaker, especially if they started when they were kids, um, to things that are just amazing, you know, amazing films. So yeah, it's, it's been very satisfying and we're, we're really, really pleased. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been doing ours for, this will be six, six year. years, um, and it's uh, it's it, it, I don't I don't think we're accelerating at quite the speed that maybe Bleedingham is, but um, it uh, it that was kind of our our premise too was to start out and give a for uh, a forum for for you know the the super low budget you know independent filmmakers you know the students and and that kind of stuff and absolutely yeah there I mean other than. It is a different world now um, with um, the internet. Um, people can make something and put it up online, you know, anywhere, you know, a hundred different places um, from YouTube to whatever. And, um, but there's something about being able to see your work on a big screen. And, you know, depending on who you are, what, what you believe, you know, I, I think that that's the way that film is meant to be experienced. Um, not on a little screen on our phones, and you know I'm 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 thankful for the technology that I can do that if I need to. But I'd much rather see something on the big screen, especially if it's something I made. You know how cool is that? Well, yeah. Especially in a theater full of people, where you can you know see everybody's reactions and get real time, uh, you know, thoughts and and uh, I don't want to say reactions again, but I don't have a synonym. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, no, it's exactly. It's like, you know, there, art is normally, um, you know, something where you get your accolades or your 
your feedback after the fact, you know, well, and, and you usually don't get it in such a visceral way. You get it in reviews, it comes in drips and drabs, you know, and you don't really, but when you see it in the theater, it's like being a stand-up comedian. You tell the joke, people laugh or they don't. And if you're smart, you're paying attention and you're listening to what the audience is doing and you're hoping that everybody's having a good time. But if you, if there's a moment that, you know, oh, that kind of fell dead, don't be upset, take a note. And then the next time, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, definitely. As, you're, you're a filmmaker yourself, right? Uh, I used to be. Used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are you, is Same. it like, is it like being a Marine? Are you, you know, once a filmmaker, always a filmmaker? I haven't, <laughs> the only thing I've done in recent years as far as, um, as far as actually being on set is helping out with some fight choreography. Um, okay. But yeah, I used to, you know, mostly do effects. Um, but, you know, I'm like everybody. I've got, you know, a, a, a box of scripts that I've written that I want to make someday. And, uh, and, uh, and that's still, that's still something I want to do. Um, but yeah, there was all kinds of, I mean, independent movies, uh, music videos, commercials, all that stuff. Um, in recent years, I've mostly been focusing on art, drawing, painting, sculpting, mm-hmm. that type of thing. Um, not because I think it's uh, a better pursuit. It's that just for practicality reasons i don't have to get i don't have to assemble a team to tell a story that way you know much like a writer yeah yeah i uh i mean i'm artist too and um that seems to be my kind of primary pursuit as well just for the exact same reasons you're mentioning it's it's, it's, uh (laughs) i wouldn't say it's less work i guess it's just more attainable work (laughs) yeah it's it's you know, I mean, it's easier for, you know, to sit down at an easel and get going than it is to, I mean, you know, but that's one of the great things about filmmaking is that it is an ensemble. It is a collaboration. It is, you know, I, I've always maintained that, um, whatever this word means, uh, that filmmaking is the ultimate art form. And that's because it encompasses all other types of art, right? I mean, like, you know, from drawing, you know, from storyboards set design, performance, um, post-production, painting, writing, acting, all of it, you know, is all comes together to make a film. And even if you're making a very small film and you don't check all those boxes, you are in some way or another. As soon as you set up a camera in a room, whether you've done anything to the room or not, there's production value there. And that's a bet. And there's production design even if your production design happens to be the wall behind you it's right. all there yeah um it uh i mean just like anything else it's like the the hardest step is the first one so it's just a matter of pulling out a cell phone nowadays and and just hitting record and yeah absolutely you know and, and that's you know getting back to the beginning of bleeding ham i think if we had you know, this is advice that you hear from people all the time. Whatever project that you're thinking of doing, don't wait until you've got everything uh, ready. Don't wait until you think you're ready. Don't wait until, you know, just start. And yes, in the beginning, it's probably going to be crappy. Yeah. And, but but you've done, you've done the hardest part, and that's getting going. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I have that problem with the podcast that I want to do. Um, I've, I've, I have interviews that are almost two years old now because I keep waiting. I keep, I'm not, I'm not following my own advice. I keep waiting until, oh, I have this piece of equipment or I need, blah, 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 blah. I, I need to shut up <laughs> and just put them out there. It's not like, it's not like it's going to matter anyways. It's, what's, what's going to matter is get going and get rolling. Yeah. I mean, speaking of podcasts, I mean, that that's, that's us in a nutshell. It's like, uh, we don't do it for the audience. I mean, we, we try to put out a good product for the audience, but it's ultimately it's, it's for us. It's for our own, uh, satisfaction and enrichment. Um, let me ask you a question. If you weren't doing the podcast, would you guys be sitting around talking about horror films anyways? Nope. Well, nope. I mean, we would, but not, we'd, a, we'd probably just be texting about them. Yeah. Right. Right. That, so you're, you're just recording your texts. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and, I mean that that I mean, we've we've told the story a million times uh, on the show, but it's like we started this show because you know we, we've been best friends for close to twenty years. Shut up. <laughs> um, and he he moved away. He moved to the East Coast and then came back uh, four years later. Uh, three, three. Um, but in that time, you know, we had grown up. We both had serious, uh, you know, significant others in our lives, um, and it's just like, okay, well, we don't have that time we used to have to just hang out, be buds, you know, go out and get a drink, you know, right on a on a Monday night. You know? We just we can't do that anymore. So it's like we need something to keep this going, and that's kind of where the podcast came from. Yeah, um, but you used to do a podcast, didn't you? Yeah, um, Tom Carnell and I had a podcast called the Bonus Material Podcast. Bonus Material, I can't um, remember the name. Yeah, and uh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. Um, when it went away, it was it was a uh, uh, you know there was a void, um, and, and that's kind of why I wanted to start a podcast again. But I really enjoy about it. In well, in our particular case, we were doing lots of interviews, and so it was an opportunity to talk to my heroes. It was an opportunity to get into um, stories and things that maybe we hadn't heard on the bonus material of your DVD, um, and um, that's what I really liked about it. But most importantly. Um, was that for me on a personal level was that every interview was inspiring. Um, that's kind of what I thrive on, whether I'm listening to a podcast, whether I'm watching a movie, whether I'm listening to bonus material content, reading a book, whatever it is, I'm doing it primarily for inspiration. That's, that's my juice. That's what gets me going is like anything that I find inspiring. Yeah, and that's it, why. That, and that's again why Bleedingham is so important because it's hugely inspiring to see new filmmakers, young filmmakers, um, making amazing shit. That you know, when I think about when we were you know dicking around with our little um, digital cassettes or all the different advancements that we had to go through, you know, from messing with the super eight camera on. (laughs) Um, And, and 
it's just jaw dropping that you know somebody can um you know first time out just just knock something out of the park um the only thing i find frightening on the horizon is um ai uh, people using ai to generate creative content yeah uh, but i think there's enough pushback too that i i i, I think that I, I think that it is definitely going to be something that affects people in professional um, positions that use that that do those jobs but as far as quote-unquote fine art goes whether it's painting whether it's making your own movies or whatever i i i I don't think we're going to be knocked off the edge by that. Yeah. I, 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 AI, I see a lot of, you know, even just like with what's going on with SAG and, and uh, WGA, right. uh, you know, them essentially not being pushed out, but being supplemented with AI yeah. uh, to, to an invasive degree. Yes. Um, it, uh, I, I don't see that. I don't see actors and writers being replaced anytime soon. But it's a slippery slope, and you know you, you well, see. Yeah, that's the danger is that you do got to like you have to be vigilant, and you have to say, "Oh nope, that's crossing a line." You know, we're not going to do that. Um, I mean, personally, I want AI to sort my email and shit like that. I don't right. want AI. <laughs> I don't want AI. Uh, you know, making shit or. Making images or doing any of this. I mean, art art is a human endeavor. It is not about the end product. And that's why, again, obviously, if you're, if you're working in a job where, you know, for the company, the, the um, end product is the thing. But I'm talking about just the pursuit of artistic endeavors as a human experience. It isn't even about the finished product. It isn't about the film that you create. It isn't about... Um, the painting that you completed. It isn't about the novel that you wrote. It's about the journey that you took while getting there. It is about the process. To me, that is what makes art um, magic. If you think about art of any kind, filmmaking, etc., it is a type of alchemy. It is magic because you are literally making something, in this case, lives, worlds, stories, Um, entire universes sometimes literally out of nothing literally out of what you are thinking of in your head and that is one of the most magical and special things that i can think of definitely well said i almost wonder if if it's like big studios are going to end up shooting themselves in the foot because creative types are not going to go away and if you're just like telling them you don't need them anymore they're going to go and do their own thing and so I wonder if, you know, we'll see a, a larger rise of like crowdfunded films or independence or I, things you like know, that. If, if, if the studios, you know, want, if the studios want, I mean, I think it's already happening in some aspects because we've been dealing with, you know, these huge, you know, the Star Wars, the Marvels um, for a number of years now. And especially when we start talking about um, horror content we are seeing more and more and more um, A24 type for, you know, whatever that means. But those types of, they're smaller movies, they're more thought-provoking, they are less about, you know, an army of visual effects pixel pushers and more about the story, more about the acting. And to be honest, creepier and scarier, you know, in, in, a, in a lot of... Um, in a lot of ways, 
my opinion again. Um, <laughs> and so I, I, I think I, th- I think you're right. I think we are going to see that. You know, I mean, the pendulum swings, right? We get the big blockbuster period, the big blockbuster period for a while, the big studio film, and then it swings. We went from um, you know, Cleopatra almost closing down a studio in the 60s, and then we get the backlash against that when we start to get films like Easy Rider and these smaller independent films. And then that turns into Jaws and Star Wars, and then that swings back, and then we're getting um, Spike Lee and Tarantino and Kevin Smith, and it's it's going to it's just going to keep doing that. It just seems like that this particular swing the studio way has been a lot longer. So I'm hoping that that translates into a big swing back and we start to see more uh, movies um, getting recognition, the types of movies that we would be seeing at your film festival, at my film festival. These things, you know, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday and like horror exists in this weird little world where someone will make like for just for example, say like a really good story driven zombie movie, but the budget is so low that the zombies look like crap. You know, they're just people with like bags under their eyes and stuff and people watch it and go, oh man, I would really like to see like that movie, but like with a bigger budget. And then studios will go, all right, we're going to make this $100 million zombie movie. And all the horror fans go, no, not like that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Because when they when they do give it the bigger budget, they don't make that movie. It's true. Yeah. yeah. You no, know, it's all focused on just looking good. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's got, we got to have our beats. And, you know, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, that, that, that first movie you mentioned, that's Night of the Living Dead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, Which and look everybody, look you know, considers the, you know. The, the, you know, the, the big daddy. The gold you know? standard. And still, yeah, and it's still it's still visceral. It's still good. Well, I have a question for you guys. What is it what is it about horror? What do you, why do you think why do we like horror films? Is it the, is it this, you know, the, the answers that we hear? Is it, is it the, you know, the catharsis that we feel, the practicing for death, the roller coaster ride aspect of it? Is it that? Is it something else? What do you think? You know, that's something I've been trying to try to answer for myself for, you know, close to 40 years now. <laughs> it's, uh, and I don't know that I have a, a an answer. I do um, think a big part of it is the kind of counterculture aspect you know i've always kind of considered myself you know that that punk rock kind of attitude where i don't you know i don't i don't conform to your society (laughs) and so i think that's part of it um i do agree with you that it's it's kind of a catharsis and that you know you can sit and watch someone get ripped to pieces and be like oh that's fake that i feel okay right yeah you know uh, i for some people i think there are aspects of um you know, we do have darkness in us. Everybody does. And for some people, um, horror is an outlet for that. It allows them to get rid of that darkness in a creative and positive way. I think that's part of it for some people. Um, part of it is definitely a catharsis. I think some of it is practice. Um, you know, we are, our fear instincts developed when we lived in a world where we literally were worrying about being eaten by something. And, you know, the problem is that, you know, evolution didn't make those instincts and things go away, even though we are rarely in those situations. And now our fears and our fear instincts kick in with, 
anxiety, oh, I'm running late, um, all that kind of stuff, your body doesn't recognize the difference. It just knows that it's scared. And that's one of the reasons why stress is a big killer for us. But horror allows us to get all that out and to experience it. And it's like, oh, I can... I can let my body feel the adrenaline rush. I can let, you know, without having to expose myself to things that are actually hurting me, whether that's stress or whether that's something trying to eat me, whatever. But for me, the reason why horror is a big deal is because I think that we, horror allows us to maintain the wide-eyed wonder that magic that we were talking about that you have as children that um, it, 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 it delivers you back to a time when you did believe in the boogeyman or you were afraid of the dark or you were convinced there was a monster under the bed or in the closet or whatever and, and not necessarily always scary things but it's just like monsters are my friends you know these, these are the guys that you know it's like I I I'm nine and I'm watching Frankenstein for the first time and I'm like, oh, oh, or even worse, I'm a teenager and I'm watching, you know, <laughs> the Wolfman and I'm like, oh, I get it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that, um, I think that continuing to stay with horror is a way for us to maintain that childlike wonder and magic um, that we view the world through. It's, some people say it's, think that's weird because it is so often filled with dark and scary things but i do think it is a link to being a child and um that you know the wide wide horizon that we have when we're children that narrows as we get older yeah that's very well put (laughs) um uh you know i think mm, for for me, my my earliest memories of horror are watching you know old zombie movies and uh, old and old vamp s- and <laughs> vamp. <laughs> apparently, it's a story I've told before on the show. But like, apparently, I'm two years old. My parents are out watching Vamp uh, in the living room, and I sneak out of my bedroom and uh, come out and see them watching Vamp. And I assume you've seen it. Oh yeah. Okay. The yeah. part where Grace Jones is on top of the guy and she throws yeah. her head back and you know, she's all vamped out. She screams, yeah. "Do you find me, Saxon?" <laughs> <laughs> and this is the part I come out and see. And apparently, they didn't even notice I was out there until I started screaming. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, yeah. Some of my earliest memories are watching horror movies with my dad, and sure. um, and I think there's that uh, it's a sense of nostalgia, I guess. Um, uh, definitely some some catharsis and you know just maybe uh, an outlet to settle aggression without having to do anything myself. Sure. <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, how many uh, times? How many times have you watched? You know, a character in a horror film bite it, and they were a jerk, and you're like, "Fuck yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy." Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. It, it 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 is cathartic. Yeah, and um, and, and uh, the you know the sense of community too is oh, that's huge. Just yeah, and I um, you know, I I'm originally from L.A. 
and mm-hmm. Tinseltown. So, you know, millions of movies coming out of there every year. Sure. Um, and a lot of them horror. And the, the, the horror, not community so much, but the horror uh, environment is very big down there. Lots of haunted houses. Uh, Halloween is huge down there. You know, there's special screenings of horror movies at, you know, historical theaters, this type of thing. Um, you know, that's happening almost year round down there, that, that kind of stuff. But here, here in this, you know, the greater Seattle area, or, you know, say Pacific Northwest, it's got such a sense of community that I've never known before. Um, and, you know, uh, our, our next interview that we're going to be doing is actually with Jason Mortensen, sure. um, who is, uh, you know, the, the uh, panels and, well, I mean, I think he, he wears more hats than I even know of. Hardest uh, working I, man in conventions. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but um, Crypticon is uh, such a, a positive place for, I think, fo- folks like us every year yeah. um, to, to just meet other other creeps, you know. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's something that many, many, many people say every year when uh, Crypticon, uh, Crypticon rolls around is that it is our family reunion. Mm-hmm. And that with the key, you know, with the, 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 the word family being stressed, it does feel like family. When you show up and we see each other, we haven't seen each other for a whole year. And it's like, oh, it's like, hey, what's going on? And sharing these, especially whenever, you know, um, you're a panelist or you're a guest or, you know, something like that. And, and you really get to have conversations that you otherwise might not, you know, that, that's the only bad thing about doing panel panels and stuff is that often you're running around so much before you know it, the weekend's gone by. Yep. You've been technically, you know, quote unquote, I'm using air quotes working. Um, and the next thing you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Bye. Yeah. You know, see you next year. But it, I mean, it is, it is. Crypticon is a hub for all of us, you know, um, the great plot, you know, bone bat, um, HP Lovecraft Fest, which is going on as we speak. Um, Bleeding Ham. Um, we just we just took part in a um, zombie 5K run uh, <laughs> that you know the little tiny town that I live in outside of Bellingham, Ferndale, put on. You know, and, and it was it's super fun. It's like, and it is that sense of community, and it's and it's new people, and it's like, oh, they didn't even know that this, you know. Beating him, what's that? You know, and you get to get, you get to talk to people, and then they start to. And it is such a wonderful. I don't like the word networking. It's connections, connections, and connecting to people, like-minded people, who are into the same things that you are, or even if they're not, they're creative, and they can identify with you on that level. They're making things as well. Yeah, it's you know using networking. I mean, there are there's business that happens there. You know, there there are business people who meet other business people, whether sure. they be filmmakers or artists or or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it is definitely more just like friends seeing friends, and yeah, yeah. and I mean like uh, you know everybody's uh, uh, it, uh, Tony K. Uh, Everybody refers to him. What is it, Crypticon Grandpa or something like that? Um, and, Tony, uh, he just called you Grandpa. 
I, I honestly, there's a nickname that everybody throws around, and now that I need to remember it, I can't. But uh, uh, there's, Crypticon yeah. Stud Muffin, I think, is what you're looking for. <laughs> Crypticon Zaddy. <laughs> but um, he uh, he he throws around the term of it being uh, horror fan summer camp, which is just yeah. absolutely on, on the on the money. When, when totally appropriate. Totally appropriate. I have a question for Taylor. Yes. So while Tony was um, being traumatized and or uh, <laughs> uh, developing fetishes at two, watching, <laughs> watching Vamp, uh, what was your earliest memory of horror in your life? It's funny because I'm actually the opposite. Like my mom would not let me watch horror. Uh, so I really didn't get into it until I was in my teens probably. Uh, uh, it had the, it had the, the whiff and the taste of the um, the forbidden fruit. The fr- yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the, the first thing I watched that really kind of uh, wet my appetite was Dawn of the Dead. Nice. I had, then, I had a buddy who's okay. So not having grown up with a horror background, when you saw it, uh, did you find it shocking? That it did it. What was it that made you go whoa? Or did you go whoa? I mean, I wouldn't say it was shocking because, you know, it was 1970s technology and it wasn't <laughs> wasn't particularly gruesome uh, by today's standards. Right. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of that uh, just the storytelling of it, I thought, was was really well done. And just, you know, I, I ever since I've been obsessed with zombie movies because I just love the concept of this creeping death that you can never sure. really escape from. It's not, you know, this thing that's bearing down on top of you. That's why I don't really like running zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I love the the metaphor of it. Right. Well, that's the thing about zombies is that, it, I mean, if you want to look at it, it is a metaphor and it is a metaphor for that, which is going to catch up to us all eventually is death. And for some of us, if we're lucky, it is that creeping death and we get to hang out for a long time. But I got to <laughs> tell you, some of us have the misfortune of running into running zombies and, we leave a little quicker than uh, than we wanted to. So I do love the idea of the zombie as, um, you know, death, period. Yeah. So I, I've got the impression that, that horror has been a lifelong passion of yours, too. Um, yeah. Um, my, you know, my earliest memories... Um, I remember, so this would have been 1968 or 69, I was either two or three, and on television, two, there was a double feature, and it was The Seventh Voyage of Sinbad and Oliver Stone's Curse of the Werewolf, and I got them both in the same day, and I've never been the same since. <laughs> um, uh from being a lifelong fan of Ray Harryhausen and stop motion crit- uh, critters um, to horror. Now, but having said that, a lot of people don't, you know, are surprised because I don't, I haven't seen Terrifier. Um, I haven't seen The Conjuring. I haven't seen so many things. I'm very selective. Um, I am. Uh, very much into a psychological horror. Um, I am a huge um, fan of early horror films, silent horror films, films of the um, first half of the 20th century. Um, I am, uh, more than anything else, I'm a fan of monsters. 
That's that's my jam is monsters. I like monsters. And so some horror films okay, I recently saw Talk to Me, right? Which mm-hmm. is an excellent horror film. I also saw The Last Voyage of the Demeter. And can you guess which one I like better? Was it Talk to Me? No, it was The Last <laughs> Voyage of the Demeter. Because I keep hearing such good things about Talk to Me. It's Talk to Me is good. It is a, it is good. Um, but when you're a monster guy, you're a monster guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so, but, you know, like, Talk to Me is good. But seeing, you know, Dracula in his Nosferatu glory with, like, bat wings in his, you know, and he, that's my shit. You know, that's why I was like, yes, give me that. You know, I want the Frank Frazetta version of horror. Mm-hmm. That, um, but that's I, me. Yeah. No, I've, I, I mean, my, my passion when it comes to horror, if I like had to like nail myself down to a certain subgenre, it's definitely slashers. Uh, that's always been kind of my, my juice, but monsters in general have always been, um, my, my, my thing. Like I, the, the psychological stuff that's kind of by the wayside for me, mm-hmm. but you know, a good monster movie always always does it for me. So. That's how that's how slashes exactly are coming for me. from. Like I I I like and I appreciate, especially like the you know the ones that that start you know something that start. Usually, I'll watch the first film in a franchise, and then I'll be very selective, you know, for the rest of the franchise. I'm not going to watch all of the Saw movies. You know, I might watch Saw Ten because yeah. I keep hearing such good things, but I'm I'm not that guy especially when it comes to slashers. Um, and I think the reason why that is, is because, um, I, I, like all I can think of is like, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go out that way. Come after me, Jason. <laughs> I'm going to take you down. You know, I, I, it's within the realm of possibility in my head that maybe I can take these things down at the same time. That is also what I understand. What a lot of people like about slashers is that, there is no monster. Uh, nobody's going out in the street and really uh, being afraid of a werewolf attacking them, probably. Um, but they are afraid of somebody coming after them with a weapon. They are afraid of these things that real life violence that you see that you find in real life. And so, for a lot of people, that's scary. Yeah, and that's why something as simple as like maniac works so well, right? Um, just because it's 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 not some bigger than life guy in a hockey mask. You know, it's just. It's Elijah so, Wood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just some sweaty weirdo, you know, just seems just like a sweaty weirdo. You, yeah. you, you wouldn't think twice about it, you know? Yeah. Well, the, but, the trick is to be the sweatier, weirder guy. <laughs> just out weirdo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. Well, um, I mean, I, we're kind of coming to a close here, I guess. Um yeah, I mean, um, bringing things back to Bleedingham, what, where are you guys at in the process right now? Well, I mean, it, you know, pretty much everything is is done. The the films are all in. Um, judges are currently um, judging the films. Um, some of them have been doing that all along. Um, October sixteenth, the uh, tickets are on sale right now for um, the international showing. The Creepy Cornucopia, which are the films that didn't make it into the competition, but could have. They just 
you know, they didn't get the points, you know, but they're still good films. Um, the, um, the best feature, um, tickets are all on sale for those now. And if you just Google, um, pictured film center and look for bleeding ham, what is not on sale. And we do this every year. We hold back on selling the tickets for the Washington state entries, because that's always our biggest show. Um, because, the filmmakers, families, friends, they all want to get in there and see the, the films. And so we, we give people time to like, you know, do we need 10 tickets? You know, those are, that's, that's the screening that always sells out. Um, and so those are going to be going on sale October 16th, uh, which is coming up. Um, I'm, I've got all the trophies made. I'm in the process of painting them. Every year I hand make all the trophies. I cast them. Um, from an original sculpture that I did years ago. Um, I've had to replace the mold for it twice now, I think. Um, and uh, so the, all that's being done. Um, really, it's all now just promoting the, uh, promoting the festival, trying to get people to buy tickets. You know, one of the things that, uh, that we're always trying to do is that, yeah, everybody focuses on the Washington State because that's where we give out the prizes, right? You know, mm-hmm. we give out a thousand dollar cash prize to the, uh, the the best overall film, the film that that does best in the judging. Um, so everybody's excited about that. They want the you know they want to see who's going to get the money, who's going to go home with a bloody um, that stuff. Um, but that's you know don't sleep on these other screenings because some especially like. In the international category, and when it, and when we say international, it is international. We do get films from around the world, but it also uh, pertains to um, movies made outside of Washington. So we'll get filmmakers from California, we'll get filmmakers from you know wherever Rhode Island, um, and some of those are amazing, jaw dropping films. Sometimes better than the films that get the big prizes at our festival, um, but they're just not in the competition because we are focused on trying to help develop local filmmakers. That's what it's all about. Yeah. We get a handful of entries every year from people just up North in BC. They're they're, they're our neighbors, you know, and they they, they may as well be Washington filmmakers. Um, Yeah. But um, yeah. So you, you do get a substantial amount of Washington filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every year it grows. And, and that's what's really cool. Um, and we see, you know, we see a lot of the same filmmakers over and over again. But the really fun thing is that every year we see new filmmakers. We've had filmmakers that started years ago when literally there were children that are now adults. And they've been making, you know, they've been having entries, <clears throat> excuse me, every year. And again... That's really fun when that happens because you get to see that progression of quality. You get to see them just like get better and better. And it's like, that is so cool and uh, hugely inspiring and is really the, the juice that, as far for me, keeps me going with this. You know, um, that's you know, that's what it's all about. That's awesome. It's magic. Yeah. Magic. And so I, and, you know, we, we, we call ourselves a festival, but we only run one day. <laughs> we call it a festival because we show several films. But you yeah. actually do do a, a couple of days, don't you? 
Yeah, so this year the festival is the 27th, the 28th, and the 29th. Three days, okay. Of, of October. Yeah, um, and I, I'm a bad... I'm a bad convention host, and I would I should have all this written in front of me. I don't remember what all is on which days. I'm sorry, but if you go to either um, Pickford Film Center, they'll have all that information, or Bleedingham.com, and we'll have all that that information there. I can tell you that the Washington State screening is the 28th um, at eight o'clock at the Pickford Film Center in beautiful downtown Bellingham, Washington. Come on by. But also come for the whole weekend because there's all kinds of great stuff going on. Great. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much for coming on, Langley. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank thank you guys for having me come on. This has been a blast. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, good luck with the festival. And, uh, you know, I guess we'll we'll see you in May at Crypticon, right? (laughs) Absolutely. You guys should make it up to, to this one of these years, and I got to make it down to yours as well. I, I, it's you know what's funny is that we are kind of all up here in the same pocket, and then you, you know, you talk to you know, you, you get a friend from back east or something. It's like, you know, I live up here by the border, and they're like, "Hey, I'm going to be in Seattle for a couple hours. Get, you want to have yeah, lunch?" Yeah. And I'm like, uh, "That involves me driving like almost two hours through <laughs> bad traffic." You know, it's like. We are close, but we're not. But we're not close. It's 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 interesting. Yeah, it's like people see Washington on a map and compare it to like California or in Texas or something. It's like, oh, it's it's small. It's it's a tiny little state. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> it's, they don't get it. Yeah, um, especially dealing with traffic. Oh yeah. Um, thank you again, guys. This has been fantastic. Um, Taylor, don't worry about what Tony says. I think you're awesome. <laughs> um, so she- I knew it. I'm trying to start the main fight. <laughs> Great. All right. All right. Thanks a lot, Langley. Uh, and hey, uh, thank you guys. Yeah. Greatly appreciate it. All right. Take care. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye bye. I got that grave plot. I got that grave plot. I got that grave plot. It's right off the highway. Wobbledy wobbledy drop into my grave plot. You afraid of death? Well, I'm afraid not. Cause I got the bomb spot right off the highway. Well, isn't that nice? He's, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> uh, no, thanks again, Langley, for coming on. Um, that was a lot of fun, and it was uh, nice to do interviews again. Mm-hmm. We should, I don't know. I say maybe we should do that, but probably won't. <laughs> it's easier to do interviews when they're your friends. That is true. Because <laughs> you got to schedule it like weeks or months ahead of time. And, yeah. Um, I mean, that's a little change at the drop of a hat. Right. Uh, and then it's always so humiliating to be talking to, you know, some famous director or something. You're like, hang on, my computer's being weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, like, I don't, can we call you back? <laughs> that's That happened more than once, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fucking goddamn. Well, it's nice now that, like, you can, with, you know, the the, the growing of remote work and stuff this kind of stuff uh the the program we use to record that interview that stuff's more accessible now yeah and it makes it a little hot easier yeah um we had some little technical hiccups there at the beginning but we got them figured out pretty quick yeah so anyway um yeah go check out bleeding ham uh if you're in the area um 
if you can make a, a weekend trip out to Bellingham, he, you know, like Langley said, it, it, it was a, it's a nice little town. It's, it's a college town. It's a, yeah, it's cool. It's um, a cool town. I haven't been up there in years, but it's, I mean, if you like, if you're the type who likes to just kind of like walk around like a, like an old town from, I mean, like a lot of these buildings like are over a century old or yeah, that's not saying much anymore. Yeah, but true. they're still they're over a century old um and it's just it's an old town it's it's quaint it's it's fun to just walk around if you like like hitting up like antique stores and stuff like this is a great place to go uh and then and there's bleeding ham too and bleeding ham so. is there so if you have a free weekend and you're in the area or can come to the area uh go check it out it's it's worth the time um now <laughs> we're gonna head go ahead and move on to our film reviews I also left that part out of our false start earlier. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, so yeah, week of the zombie. We've got two zombie movies. Um, which one should we start with? Um, so I mean, just kind of before we jump into that, there the whole point of October album was kind of to uh, like go back and do old movies that we wanted to do that yeah. we never really got a chance to. Um, one of the movies we're doing is is like a classic zombie movie. And the other one is one that I had wanted to see for a while, but then like it kind of passed by and I didn't really never really had a good moment to stick into the show. So this was this was the moment we I feel like we did have it in the sh- in the schedule. I at think one it point. might have been, but it's something else came along yeah. that bumped it. Um, but so let's start with that one. Uh, Little Monsters, not that one. <laughs> a super fun time on our trip to Pleasant Valley Farm. Yeah! Ready? Steady? Let's go. There must be something in the way. Warning, this movie contains flesh-eating zombies, assault with a deadly guitar, strong language, fuck, fuck, stop fucking swearing, firearms, Disembowelment, death metal, gore, Mika on the box, and Academy Award winner Lupita Nyong'o. That might be a little much for everyone. So this is Little Monsters from 2019, not from 1989 with Fred Savage and Howie Mandel. Uh, last episode, like I mentioned this, like I asked if we do spoilers on October Rama, and you said no. It's like, are you sure? I'm pretty sure. You sure about that? You, sh- you sure about that's why? <laughs> mm, you sure? Mm. <laughs> 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 Tony, I really think you're just here for the zipline. 
What? He's too hard on the zip line. <laughs> um, I I could have sworn we did spoilers. I mean, maybe, maybe we don't, but I, I think it's same like same as usual. Hmm. We just normally <laughs> <laughs> just normally we do older movies. So I guess. Well, let's go. Well, this is no, this isn't five years. No, this is four. Damn. I hate not being able to do spoilers. We have to do. We can't do spoilers all year. <laughs> Sorry, fucking guy. All right. Well, this is uh, written and directed by Abe Forsyth, which the he sounds like he's in his nineties. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like he lives in fucking Palm Springs or not? Not Palm Springs. Um, Boca de Vista. <laughs> Uh, no, he's 42. He was born in 81. That can't be right. <laughs> he is from Down Under, as is this movie. I did not know going into this that this was an Australian movie. Nor did I. I also thought it was London at first. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like, I mean, like any other country, there are different dialects and let's call them sub accents. Yeah. Um, and there is uh, an Australian accent that is very hard to tell the difference between an Aus- the, that, that accent and, and an English accent. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're Commonwealth. Sure. Yeah. All very similar. Yeah. And, but just like the area like where he's playing guitar, I, I really thought that was London. Yeah. But so, oh yeah, this is about, uh, Dave who is, uh, Sean. <laughs> There's a lot of parallels. I'll tell you right now. A lot of parallels between this and Shaun of the Dead. Very much. Um, Dave is this... Uh, he's I, he's unemployed, right? It seemed that he way, He just yeah. plays guitar on the street for yeah. money. He's just a busker. Yeah. Uh, he used to be in a, in a band called God's Sledgehammer. <laughs> but since then, uh, he has gone solo, you could say, in the form of just playing his flying V on the... <laughs> Uh, in, in the streets. Yeah, so, as so poorly. Yeah, not well. It's poor, poorly. Uh, and he breaks up with his girlfriend, and so he goes to live with his sister Tess and her son Felix. Felix is five. She's chopping. I don't know. Broccoli. <laughs> chopping broccoli. Um, Felix is five, and... Dave is just like he's he's a scumbag basically. Yeah, he's he spends all his days just playing video games and jerking off. Yeah, I mean that that that's that's, that's a dream. Way to, that's <laughs> a way to live. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, if you if you can if you can do that, then more you know, power great. to you. Great. Yeah. <laughs> well, most people can't. It's true. But yeah, he's living with Tess, and you know he's clearly a bad influence for Felix. Yeah. He's letting him play zombie shooty games, as Felix calls them. <laughs> um, yeah, he compared it to, to Sean of the Dead. Uh, but, like, if you took Sean and made him just just a piece of shit. Yeah. Like, like even more yeah. than, he, than he is. Um, which, you know, Sean also breaks up with his girlfriend at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It was like, I mean, like, Sean, he's. 
lazy and unmotivated. Dave is just kind of an asshole. Like he's he's unlikable. Sean is likable. That's true. Dave is unlikable. Sean tries. Yes. Dave doesn't try. Right. Dave is perfectly content just bumming off his sister and, and doing nothing all day. Yeah, it's everybody else's fault. Yep. Yeah, he, you know, he blames his girlfriend. He, he goes and tries to win her back, and she's fucking some dude <laughs> in their apartment. Just getting it. Which, downgrade, by the way. <laughs> this dude's, like, bald and has a creepy mustache. and Maybe she asks her. He must dude, be he, really funny or something. Or maybe he's got a giant hog. Yeah, maybe he's hung. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, he, yeah, he just, he, he asks her about her feelings. And maybe, yeah. Women are into that kind of he's, shit. Maybe he's very, <laughs> uh, very in touch with his feminine side. With her vagina. But, and maybe he's very in touch with her feminine side, if yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> her feminine inside. <laughs> <laughs> so Dave, yeah, Dave takes Felix over to their apartment, dresses him up like Darth Vader. He's like, <laughs> he's like stay in character. <laughs> You reminded me of that Volkswagen commercial. You remember that? With the little kid as Darth Vader? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And like, he opens the door and just says, you know, okay, go in. And Felix walks in and she's there riding this dude with her tits out. <laughs> and he like holds up the sign and says, will you marry me? And he, he's like, uh, was it um, Aunt? The hell is her name? Um, uh, I don't know. It doesn't say. Uh, Beth. No. Beth is the is Felix's girlfriend. Uh, fuck. fuck. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Well, he says, Aunt whoever, and she's just like, ah, Felix. <laughs> and then he says something about like the force is strong with us or something and holds up the <laughs> sign. But so now it's like over over between Dave and, and Mystery Woman. Big over. Big over. So um he agrees one day to take Teddy to school. And he goes. Felix. Yeah. Oh, Teddy's. Yeah, we haven't gotten to Teddy yet. Yeah. Sorry, I was looking at the thing and I saw Teddy. Yes, he agrees to take Felix to school. And he. Like, there's this kid, um, Max, who looks so much like Chunk. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like teasing Felix. And, you know, Dave is just like, why is that kid such a fucking asshole? Yeah. And there's a kid on crutches that also makes fun of Felix, and I won't tell you what Dave says, but it starts with an R. <laughs> it's uh, not politically it's correct. not politically correct. It's not a word I like to use. No. Not for at least probably close to 30 years. Yeah. Well, probably not that long. Till it became unacceptable to say that. Yeah. Don't remember when that happened, but there was a time. But yeah, so Felix is getting picked on constantly. I don't really know why. Yeah. He seems like a perfectly normal kid. Yeah. You know, you always hear about bullying in schools, but you hear how much, so much of it happens online now rather than in person. Yeah. Because children are apparently cowards. Um, well, I guess a lot they're of also are perpetually cowards. online. Sure. But I guess people in general like to try and push buttons online rather than in person because they're cowards. Well, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, um, where I was going with that. Oh, but you hear about bullying, and it's just like, does that really, does this still happen? Like, for for situations exactly like this, it's like, why are they bullying him? Yeah, like he's 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 shy. 
Yeah, but other than that, he's perfectly, you know, he's not, there's nothing weird or different about him. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I remember in school, I got teased, not a lot, but I did get teased for being fat. I mean, like, like I, I got picked on for that until people realized that I was bigger than them, and then it kind of stopped. <laughs> but um, that that's something. As right. unacceptable as it is, it's still something. This kid just seemed like a normal kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah, so... Then Dave gets a uh, gets an eye full of Audrey Caroline, Felix's teacher, played by Lupita Nyong'o, and he is just immediately smitten. Which did you know she was born in Mexico City? Uh, I do now. I mean, I was watching this and like I was having such a hard time down time hard time nailing down her accent. Because she had has one, but it's so faint. It's very faint, yeah. I was trying to figure out, I was like, the character, is she supposed to be Australian? Is she supposed to be American? Yeah. It, yeah, so the accent is very faint, but it's still there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I did, I did look it up and saw that she was born in Mexico. I saw, I saw Mexican Kenyan, and I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's like I never made the connection that her first name is uh, Latin, or, you know, a, a Central American name, let's say that. Um, yeah, I guess Lupita, yeah. But apparently it's a Kenyan tradition that they your first name is after something that occurred the day you were born. Or something relevant to the day you were born. And oh, so they don't actually like pick names ahead of time. I, I guess not. Uh, this is just what I read. So, you know, it could be hearsay, but apparently, you know, like Lupita is a is a l- Latin name mm-hmm. and I just never made the connection. Yeah, me neither. I guess it, it Lupita sounds like it could be Kenyan or or you know an African name sure, or something. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, so he's like flirting with her and he <laughs> smacks Max in the face with the door. <laughs> but so uh this they're going on a school field trip and one of the parents has to drop out because she's sick, or because the kid is sick, I think. No, she's sick. Somebody's sick. Somebody is sick. <laughs> there is definitely at least one person who is sick. Yes. And so, you know, Dave trying to impress uh, Miss Coraline, Miss Caroline, which he keeps calling her Miss Caroline. She's like, please call me Audrey. But so in an attempt to impress her, he volunteers to chaperone for this field trip to uh, what was the name of the farm? Do you remember? Uh, um, Happy Valley or something like that. That sounds right. But it's it's a it's a farm. <laughs> it's a petting farm. Yeah, there's a petting zoo and all kinds of uh, you know, kids can you know have poop fights and just, as you do. Yeah, tip cows and whatever. Yeah, I mean, you have whatever a... people do at farms. I don't know. <laughs> I'm from a farm town, but I don't know what people do. Uh, did um, did you ever take trips to like some something like this as a kid? I don't think so. No. I mean, I I remember. We went to like when I when I still lived in in California. We went to like places like museums and stuff. Yeah. Um, then when I moved up here, like we went to something that actually seemed like it was no, maybe not so much similar. But is it's a place called Northwest Trek. Have you been there? I'm I'm familiar. Oh, you, so you haven't been there? Uh, if I have, it's been so long that I don't remember. Okay. Um, yeah, it's basically like this mostly open range. I'm, 
zoo I mean, for what for all intents and purposes there's a lot of just wild animals that live there but they're not a lot of them aren't behind pens they just kind of roam freely <clears throat> and you see go there for uh, <clears throat> this is my voice go there for a, a field trip and shit like that is it, it reminded me a lot of this um and that's why i bring it up sure anyway anyway yeah so they um they go to this farm and uh, Felix's favorite TV personality just happens to be there. Seems like it's most of the kids' favorite TV personality. His name is Teddy McGiggle, played by Josh Gad. The curveball. Yeah. <laughs> I remember she walked in while I was watching this. She was like, is that Josh Gad? Bearclaw. <laughs> Bearclaw. <laughs> yeah, my name's Bearclaw. <laughs> Clap now. <laughs> Clap now. Um, And he, he like... He sees the kids and he, what does he call them? Kidly Winks? <laughs> He's like, hey there, Kidly Winks. And, like invites him over and he immediately starts hitting on Audrey. Yeah, just relentlessly. Like, and like, but it's like part of the show. And I'm like, this is weird and creepy. And like, yeah. if I was a parent, I wouldn't let my kid watch this because this guy is clearly hitting on this teacher right, right in front of everybody. But at the same time, she's like, I think she's counting down something for the kids. She's like five, four, three, and te- um, Dave notices she has a ring on this this finger right here. That's <laughs> the one you put the, a ring on. The one, yeah. And it's like the Beyonce Be- Beyonce finger. Yeah. yeah. She goes like this, <laughs> and she goes. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Is that the same song? Yeah. I don't know. I can't tell the difference. Uh, the, the, what about the, about the ladies? Ladies the, who are single. <laughs> dancing around. I think, it's called, I think it's called ladies who are single. Put a ring on it. And then they go lemonading. Is that what it is? That's, that's a different song. <laughs> I'm in my lemonading phase. <laughs> but he's like, are you married? And she's like, oh, no. I mean, not yet. <laughs> he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to go kill myself. Thanks for, <laughs> for that. Like, uh, so, yeah, he's, you know, now he's all butthurt and being even more of a dick. Because he's a man child. Yeah. Meanwhile... Just, I don't know, maybe half a mile away or so is this military testing facility. U.S. military. U.S. military. Because yeah. it's always the U.S. It's always the stupid U.S. fucking everything up. <laughs> like, this is an Australian film. And even there is like, yeah, fuck, fucking U.S. assholes. They're always <laughs> fucking something up. They're all, they always have testing facilities in places they shouldn't be. <laughs> Doing shit they shouldn't right be. Right next to a farm. <laughs> And whatever test it is they're doing down there, we don't, we never find out exactly what it is, but it's it's created zombies. Yeah, it got the impression. I, God damn, I can't remember what they called it. I don't know. Uh, I want to. It was like Project, um, like re. <laughs> ah. It's like something to apply the, the coming back to life. That, that's what the project name was. So presumably they're doing something to specifically to bring things back to life. Right. And of course, you know, it, they're, they're zombies. They're not, they don't come back to life as they should. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm alive again. <laughs> well, this is amazing. Yeah. And you got to tell the world. So, you know, this big code blue breaks out in the testing facility and the zombies start biting more people and they all start leaving the facility and where do they head obviously 
the fab. to the zoo. The farm. Yeah. Fab. It's good looking zombies. Pretty good, yeah. Wasn't uh wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Um for I mean this is a horror comedy. Yeah. Although Shaun of the Dead had some really good zombies too. Well, yeah. And then they had that one kid who was always in the front. Always there. Always, and then tires. <laughs> tires. <laughs> Wearing his messenger. Wearing outfit. his tires outfit and eating disco fudge. <laughs> <laughs> but so very quickly the farm is completely overrun. And they the zombies are eating the animals. They're eating the employees. One guy eats an echidna and gets all the quills in his face. <laughs> And they like he walks around like that the whole movie. He just has like all these quills in his face. It was pretty cool looking. Yeah. Was that an echidna? Yeah, it was. Okay, I thought it was a I don't know like a porcupine or some because there's like a bunch of different kinds of porcupines, and like like I'll see it and be like, oh, don't know what that is, but it's spiny. It's like oh, that's a different kind of. Porcupine. I'm pretty sure it was an echidna based on the nose. Mm. Echidnas have a very yes. specific nose, and they have spikes that come out of their knuckles. And dreadlocks. Yeah, and they're very fast. Yeah, and they can climb up walls right. with their spikes. And they're usually bright red. And sometimes... And they wear gloves and Sometimes shoes. they sound like Idris Elba. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, but so they go and they try to find refuge in the, the gift shop, which has been uh, holed up by Teddy McGiggles. Yeah, will not let them in. No. And he's, he's just... Up. He's like, fuck you, fuck these fucking kids, fuck them kids. <laughs> just Michael Jordan's it all over the place. <laughs> and like, yeah, just, you know, completely drops the veil of being this friendly kid host. Mm-hmm. And he's dropping F-bombs like crazy. Yeah, so many, like, I say, I, I, I say fuck a lot. I just, it's just oh, part you shouldn't of my... say fuck. No, you shouldn't say fuck, <laughs> fuck, no. It's just part of my everyday lexicon. Um, but like he was like weaving a tapestry of fucks. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> but so they're they're finally able to get into the gift shop. Um, Dave breaks in through the roof and just has this brawl with Teddy McGinley. Teddy McGiggles. <laughs> Ted McGinley. Yep. He has a brawl with Ted McGinley from uh, fucking Married with Children. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish. Awesome. I love Ted McGinley. <laughs> He's so good in, uh, in uh, Shrinking. Oh, yeah. For... <laughs> Just like his broken spirit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, they get in this like big fight in the gift shop. They're like breaking stuff over each other's head and stuff. <laughs> uh, and then, then you know, he's also an alcoholic. Yeah, he's drinking like hand sanitizer by the end of the movie. Yeah, it was uh, was um, mineral spirits, which you're not supposed to drink. You don't drink that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, and he, and he was drinking like rubbing alcohol, and then eventually just like. It, Hand sanitizer. <laughs> so, uh, like, is it him and Dave that are up on the roof? And like, he just starts like pulling out little air porn, air, air porn, air, air porn, air, like uh, airplane bottles. Yeah. <laughs> is when they were going to go to the McGiggle Mobile. That's right. what I had to say. Anyway. Yeah. So they, you know, the, finally Audrey is able to get in and get the kids in. And 
the, they keep telling the kids it's just a game. It's it's just a big game, and the kids are like, I don't like this game anymore. This isn't fun. And Chunk is just like, I want to play putt putt. Yeah, <laughs> the entire fucking movie just wants to play putt putt. <laughs> it's like seeing all these like animals and nature and shit. Just putt putt. Yeah, he wants to play. He's golf. so obsessed with putt putt. Like he gets so angry by the end. He's like, I just want to play putt putt. Dude. Um, maybe you can't relate, but like listening to a child scream has become such a visceral thing for me. <laughs> I thankfully cannot relate. Yeah. Like when, when fucking Chunk is losing his mind, it's like, oh, I want to play Papa. Like my head almost exploded. <laughs> you just like instinctively yell at your kid. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> He's just like, what? Dude. <laughs> it's like. You know, like, it's the same way, like, because my, my dogs bark all the fucking time. And, like, no matter how much I tell them to shut up or, you know, like, try to f- discipline them into stopping barking, they still don't. They just bark at every fucking thing that happens. And so whenever I hear another dog bark, like, it just spikes my adrenaline. And, like, I get so agitated. And, like, it's just that same feeling. Like, I'm, I'm getting angry at my dogs now. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, Teddy McGinley. God damn it, I did it again. <laughs> Teddy McGiggles. If it makes it easier, we can just call him Ted McGinley. <laughs> um, he reveals his real name is Nathan Schneider. Schneider. And he is, he's an alcoholic and a sex addict. Who the only reason he does this kid show is just to bang their moms. He's like, I bang so many moms. And he says he's like a classically trained actor. Yeah, you were trained from with the actor studio. <laughs> he's like, Yeah, I learned whatever method from Pacino. Al. <laughs> it's like, no, we knew. Yeah, he's like, I, I banged single moms, married moms. Fat moms, skinny moms, moms that climb on rocks. <laughs> he's, he just bangs all the moms. And he has this puppet named Frogsy. <laughs> I love when he gets mad. He's just like, shut the fuck up, Frogsy. <laughs> but so they're holed up in this gift shop because it's a zombie movie. That's the way zombie movies work is you find one central location and you hold up there. Yeah. Because it's cheap. Night of the Living Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead. Like, literally, that's the formula. All the deads. All the deads. And in this one, it's a, it's a gift shop. Meanwhile, the military has arrived. They're going to, you know, they, they realize that all the zombies have congregated in front of this gift shop because they're trying to get the, the delicious meat inside. <laughs> and so the, the military is like, we're just going to. Just drop a bomb on the gift shop and just wipe them all out. Let's bomb it. Because they're the US. Yeah. That's, that's what we do. We just bomb stuff. <laughs> and like there's these two soldiers standing out there, and then the colonel or general or whatever walks by. And they're like, what do we got? And he's like, zombies again. It's <laughs> like, again. <laughs> and they're like, fast or slow? He's like, slow. Like, oh, thank God they're not fast. <laughs> um yeah, and then you know they're, they're trying to trying to get out of this gift shop without getting bombed by the military. Yep. Just fight and fight and fight and drink and fight, drink and fight. Yep. And Caroline plays uh, Taylor Swift songs on the ukulele. Right. That's like that's her go-to. Yeah. 
mostly mainly just shake it off. That's yeah. I think in the movie she plays about a couple different songs, but I think that's the one. Yeah, she kind of defaults. I think that's the only Taylor Swift song she plays. Is it? I think so. I don't know well enough, but hmm. but she also plays like you know if you're happy and you know it. And sure, like the classics. Something about living on the moon. I don't know if that's a Taylor Swift song, but there was like I don't want to live on the moon. I don't know. I don't. Know. Yeah, no, I, I try to pay as little attention to Taylor Swift as possible, which is hard because it's she's so hard everywhere. Now she's invading football, like yeah, and now and we both live with Taylor fan to the Taylor Swift fans, so yeah. we're uh, I think maybe my wife probably more so, probably more so. Um, yeah. and there's just no escape. Yeah, like my wife was telling me something today about how she she paid for a, like I, I, like it's so at it's arenas usually you have to pay for apparently you have to use. Pay to use the the big screens. At, really? At, yeah, private concert events. You have to pay to use the big screens, and apparently Taylor Swift paid to use them all, and Beyonce didn't pay to use any. It's like I don't care, <laughs> not even a little bit. Is is she following this uh, Jonas Brother Sophie Turner thing? But probably not. No. Apparently, one of the Jonas Brothers is divorcing Sophie Turner or something. I think I actually saw something about that. Yeah. Yeah, and she was like, "Do you do you, do you care about this at all?" And I was like, "I can think of few things that I care less about." Right. It's like it's. So... I'm not a celebrity gossip person in the first place, no. unless it's like, unless it's like Army Hammer. <laughs> that's yeah, yeah, that's crazy. I'm interested in that. Yeah, Army Hammer eats people. Tell me more, or at least wants to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, allegedly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've tried to shut my brain off anything relating to Taylor Swift and it's just, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it just keeps coming. But in addition to Taylor like Swift, zombies. she also loves Neil Diamond because he's the greatest singer songwriter of this generation and he's, he's our, our hero. hero. <laughs> also, her last name is Caroline. You can figure that one out. You can figure out what happens there. Yep, and yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think that's as far as I'm going to go because the rest is going to be too many spoilers. Bah. Yeah, like like I said, it's a zombie movie, so you pick a location, you huddle up, you try to fight the zombies, and uh, you know, last until dawn or whatever. Because, um, but you know, like they're they're not going to stop because it's that's their that's their thing. Yeah, they don't they don't stop. They don't sleep. They don't breathe. They don't eat. I mean, they eat people, but they don't really like get hungry and go. I'm going to go get a sandwich instead. This is yeah, taking too long. Yeah, this isn't, this isn't even worth it. Because they're not smart enough for that. Right. They just always come. Yep. Just coming, 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 coming. 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 <laughs> and they come everywhere. <coughs> yep. Yep. So that's that. You do see uh, you see Audrey depacitate some zombies with a shovel? Yep. Yeah, she kind of like... Um, She's very committed to her job and very committed to these children. Um, she kind of gives like a little bit of backstory to that, why she is so devoted to, to the children. Um, yeah, spoiler alert, it involves the band Hanson. Right. <laughs> Which is very out of left field. Yeah. It's like it, that part makes you build, like builds up to you, you think she's talking about Taylor Swift, but she's not. No, she's talking about Taylor Hanson. Yeah. <laughs> And then I like the end credit song is Mbop. <laughs> I was watching it. Uh, my, my wife was out there watching part of it with me, but then she went back in our bedroom 
and um this umbop started playing at the in, in the credits and she's like you just listen to some hansen out there <laughs> it's a whole thing <laughs> i don't have time to explain it to you you probably wouldn't understand <laughs> anyway um this is pretty funny it was pretty funny yeah i mean it's like like i said the, the zombies are good um the horror of it is kind of downplayed be- mm-hmm. because of the comedy but i mean like they're like there's there's some tense moments um it doesn't walk the line as well as Shaun of the dead no no there're definitely more dramatic moments uh in Shaun of the dead that really kind of show you the 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 weight of the situation right this one doesn't do that so much but it did definitely have a, a similar feel to it not just story wise but um I mean, not, not not like character wise. I mean, like you know, Sean. The, the parallels between Sean and Dave, that wasn't j- all. Like the the theme itself was kind of similar. Yeah, the tone. Yeah, but um, yeah, not a lot of zombie gore. Like the zombies themselves looked pretty good and they were pretty bloody and stuff. But you don't see a lot of like people getting ripped apart and ravaged and yeah a lot of that's done off screen right um even like you know you said that miss caroline um depacketates like i was trying to say the right word but it's just like right at the front of my brain just like depacketate depacketate depacketate. (laughs) whatever motherfucker (laughs) um you see, like, what, one or two? I think just the first one. Okay, yeah. But then the rest of it. Like, she basically just goes out and then comes back, and she's covered in blood. And yeah. You just kind of assume what happened. Right. <clears throat> so, it's, yeah, a no, huh? it's a jam. It's a jam. She got in a jam fight. Don't eat it. <laughs> I think that jam is not going to smell so good in about <laughs> 30 minutes. Um, it probably doesn't smell good. Begin with, it probably smells like pennies. Probably, yeah. And And... Gross, grossness. Yep. Just yuck. Insides. <laughs> Boins. Yep. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> At, the acting was good. Um. The who play, uh, Alexander England that plays Dave. Didn't really know much about him, but I thought he did a, did a really well did a really well job. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Lupita Nyong'o was definitely the the star of the cast. Um, not just because she's probably the most recognizable name, but also um, her character. She kind of shone through a lot of the other people. But mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, Dave was. Um, it's funny because like so, for so much of the movie, even like to the point where in a, in a movie you typically see the guy started kind of like turn into a hero. Yeah. Uh it wasn't really happening. It was Miss Caroline that kind of became the hero. Well, yeah. Definitely did. Yeah, like Dave kind of he redeems himself, but he doesn't really Yeah, he doesn't become the hero. He doesn't like like Sean, you know, has the story arc where he he saves the day. Right. Dave not so much. He just kind of elevates to being a decent person. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like to the point where he, he should have been all along. Right. He doesn't really rise to the challenge so much. Um, he just he doesn't so much rise to the challenge. He more just like 
gets to the point where he's not being a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Josh Gad is, he's there for comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, like there's a point where, where Felix, like there, there's a, in, earlier in the film, you like find out that he's allergic to a handful of different things. Uh, nuts, gluten. Nobody's allergic to gluten. It's a fad. <laughs> Um, that's a line from the movie. Right. Sorry if you have celiac. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, there's one other thing, but the, at one point he, um, is eating something and starts going into anaphylactic shock. And like, you think like, oh, this is the point where, uh, Dave is going to like put his big boy pants on and he just kind of really doesn't No, And also the, cause when he's going, when they're first leaving for the field trip, um, Felix's mom is showing him the EpiPen and she's like, blue to the sky, orange to the thigh. He's like, yeah, got it. Blue to the sky, orange to the thigh. Of course. Everyone expected. He flips it over and yep. does it backwards. And gets it in his thumb. <laughs> yeah, gets stabbed in the thumb. Um, but anyway. <clears throat> yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a fun little film. Yeah, I mean, I liked that the, the zombies, you know, they're slow zombies. And they're also fairly easy to get away from, which seems like, you know, if you're talking about a horror movie, wouldn't be a selling point. But in a zombie movie, it is. And, we, you know, we kind of talked about this with Langley. That the whole thing about zombies is they're supposed to be this metaphor for this, for, you know, your ultimate demise. Yeah. That never stops coming. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be there whether you run from it or not. Like, yeah. you, you can only do so much before it's going to catch up to you. And so, yeah, like, you can, you can run away from a zombie. You can evade a zombie. But eventually, it's, you're going to get overwhelmed. Right. So I like the zombies of, of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I'll I'll always prefer slow zombies over fast ones. Um, I mean, without a doubt. So, but the fact that they were slow and also, yeah, like we mentioned a couple of times, you know, they looked good. Um, they actually, yeah, the makeup was was good. Put some budget into the into the way they looked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what are you looking for? I'm just seeing if there's anything in here worth mentioning. Oh, not really. Yeah. Anyway, so that that that's it. Yeah. Um, it's free on Hulu if you if you have Hulu. It's already on there. Uh, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It was good. Uh, I think when this first came out, I don't think I realized it was a comedy. Judging by the poster, I kind of assumed it was, but yeah, I don't think that was the poster I saw initially when it first came out. I think I saw a different one. But... Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it, it is funny, like we we're saying. I I mean, just by the title alone, but also um, from I think probably what I heard about it early on, I thought it was the kids who became zombies. That's what I thought too. I thought it was gonna be like a cooties, like the cooties, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that doesn't happen at all. And it's like, as soon as I saw that they were like actually zombies and not like something like food related, like cooties was, um, where it could be reversed. It's like, hmm, man, I hope, I hope these aren't kid zombies. Yeah. You're going to have to shoot kids in the head. Dead zombies. They're not coming back. (laughs) Yeah. I, I would recommend this, um, on a scale of one to 10, I'd give it an eight. 
you know, um, I think I would have liked to see more gore. Sure. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's, it's rated R. I mean, it's, it's a, it has to be rated R because Josh Katz says fuck every other word. So many fucks. Uh, and I think he, he, there's no reason why there shouldn't have been more gore other than maybe budgetary reasons, but that's easy though. It's so easy. Uh, you just, if, if you want to be real cheap, you just go to the butcher and get like off cuts and you, you just throw them at people. Yeah. Just gore. Yeah. And then, you know, corn syrup. Yeah. Or, or even your real blood. Get sure. blood from the butcher. They got they got so much of it. Sure. <laughs> or um, a bo- uh, Bosco. Bosco. <laughs> Works for George Romero. Bosco. <laughs> Maybe Bosco was this lover's name. Uh, so I, I'll give it a seven. All right. All right, so next up is the 1986 classic. Is it 86? Yeah. Okay. Night of the Creeps. The night of the fall is finally here for Chris, Cindy, and JC. It's going to be the best night of their lives. But tonight is also the night of the creeps. From a world unknown comes a nightmare unimagined. First, they are under you, around you, on you, and then inside you. And get into your mouth, and you walk around while they incubate, even if you're dead. They are new terror. They are a different kind of horror. Zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlies. We could have a little problem. The creeps are taking over. I got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. What's the bad news? They're dead. You have never had a night like this. Night. Of the creeps. If you scream, you're dead. All right. So, I mean, I can't speak for people who were, you know, of movie viewing age in 1986, you know, that may have seen a trailer for this. Uh, um, so I, I guess I wouldn't really have known what to expect from the film, but definitely not this opening. Because <laughs> uh, it opens up on a spaceship with three little aliens running around. One's carrying a canister. Dude, so, like, I, I knew I had seen this before, but I was just like, I don't really remember this movie. I was like, I, kn- I know I've seen it, but I can't remember. And then as soon as it started, I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These little guys that right. never come back. By um, the way, this movie will have spoilers. If you don't know our, our uh, method here, we anything older than five years, if you haven't watched it by now, then you can't bitch about spoilers. Right. Because fuck you. You've had time. Like, so much time. Figure it out. You've had 20, yeah, this, 30, 30. In this one, you've had some time because it's. I'm not that old and this was 86. And so. 30, see, like it kind of says it came out in 86. 
And I'm doing the math here, and that's 37 years. Mm. That can't possibly be right. I don't think so. So. I think your calculator's broken. mm. We need to hire somebody to do this for us. Do the math. Yeah. And then fire them when they inevitably (laughs) say 37 years. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, we see these uh, three aliens uh, uh, aboard their ship. Okay, we got to talk about these aliens, though. These aren't like your gray, like stereotypical aliens that, you know, the Mexican government owns. Um, <laughs> they're like little tiny guys and they're bright pink. They're fleshy. They're fleshy. They almost look like, like little piggies or something. Like yeah. Running around on two feet. And they got faces and, like this. Yeah. And they got butt cracks. Yeah. <laughs> they got butts. Well, yeah. Where are they going to poop? I don't know. I don't. You, I feel like usually aliens don't have butts except for Roger from American Dad. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and they've got faces like they reminded me of uh, Nemesis from Resident Evil. They reminded me of the fucking twins from Shorzy. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, uh, Polichetti twins. Yeah. <laughs> Look, like they got something in their mouth, and it tastes bad. <laughs> like maybe they touched a dog's crotch. <laughs> Um, <laughs> man, I can't wait for that to come back. Oh, I know. So good. Um, anyway, yeah, so one is running from the other. The, the other two are shooting at this third alien. The rogue. The rogue, uh, who's carrying this canister. Don't know what the canister is. Don't know why he's, or th- why the alien is running. Why they've stolen it, seemingly. Yeah. Um, but... Through, uh, let's see. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, it, the, he, he drops it into something and launches the canister into space. Oh, Wikipedia says he's possessed. Yeah. I mean, in hindsight, that makes sense. It makes sense. But at this point in the movie, you, you don't know what's going on. No, and even like thinking back, I'm like, even if I knew that ahead of time, I. I don't get that impression based on what happens to the humans when they're possessed. Sure. Um, possessed, quote unquote. You got to ensure the survival of the, of the species. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this uh, canister launches out into space and is on a crash course to Earth. Earth. Welcome to Earth. Welcome to Earth. Um and uh, on Earth, it's the year 1959. We go from full color to black, black and white, white to really sell the, to the, the notion that it is 1959. <clears throat> um, it's all like, bop, shoo, up, bop, shoo, up. Yeah. Going to sock hops and right. listening to, to doo-wop and yeah. big, big band 40s, 30s, maybe. They could still be listening to it. Sure. I listen to music from the 70s and 80s. <laughs> I still listen to Journey, like, all the time. <laughs> um, they, uh, so, yeah, on Earth, um, a uh, two kids, one guy got a flat top, because 50s yep. flat tops re- really in vogue. <laughs> Even if you weren't in the military, just flat tops. Yep. Or, <laughs> Crew cuts is probably what they called them. Probably, yeah. But it was a flat top. 
Yeah, it was. Big time flat top. That was like f- flat top from Dick Tracy flat top. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and his gal, his best gal, they're, they're, they're parked. Uh, if you don't understand what that means. Watch Back to the Future. Right. <laughs> they're parked out on Lover's Lane or whatever the fuck. Just uh, just feeling each other up over just the... fingering each other. <laughs> just finger blasting all day. <laughs> now they're doing some like over the clothes stuff, which is pretty hot for the 50s. <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Who knows? I'm, I'm sure 50s kids were a lot more crazy than like leave it to beaver made look yeah i'm sure they were probably fingering each other it's probably a lot more like pleasantville than it was like leave it to beaver yeah. just like hey let's go up to the park and fuck and park yeah i'm gonna put it in you come on i'm gonna park inside your garage <laughs> i'm gonna get you i'm gonna make you teen mom i'm gonna take you behind the middle school and get you pregnant <laughs> um <clears throat> So from where they're sitting, they see a falling star because they're they're making uh, do the whole wish up upon a star thing, and they happen to see a falling star that is you know falling stars are just. Is this before or after they heard the news report about the escape mental patient? Um, I think it's simultaneously because okay. I think they turned the radio off. Okay, as I say, I think they stopped necking because. Yeah. Of the radio report. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So the, another thing that is actually not even super consequential to the story later on, but yeah, it may, mainly is just a uh, a story point for um, Tommy T- Tom Atkins' mental state, right? Um, <clears throat> so these two are necking, and yeah, they um, hear a news report on the radio saying there's an escaped lunatic from the insane asylum <clears throat> and they uh see the falling star and they see that it's actually crashed down somewhere nearby so they go to see where it, where it went um they find it and what, what is even this it doesn't really matter what, do you remember what this kid's name was it's it's billy i think Billy. It's something like it's one of those like super stereotypical fifties names like Billy or Tommy or Bobby or something that ends with a Y. <laughs> I mean, I don't see. I'm pretty sure it's Billy. Yeah, it doesn't say. Doesn't it? It doesn't really matter. <clears throat> he gets out of the car to go investigate this, whatever it has, whatever it is, it's crashed to Earth. Meanwhile. His gal, his best gal, is sitting in their car, and we see uh, approaching is um, a, a maniac. Well, it's somebody who's clearly wearing like a hospital gown, and, carrying an axe. Yeah, carrying an axe. Got little hospital slippies on. Um, and uh, we see him approach the car, lift the axe, and just as he's swinging, it cuts back to the guy. Who's looking at this canister that crashed and has opened up? And as he's looking at it, some black slug thing launches out of the canister into his mouth. Uh, <clears throat> then we have a time jump. Twenty-seven years later, to the to the year of our Lord, nineteen eighty-six, wherein Rusty Griswold. Has grown up and gone. That's why I recognized him. (laughs) 
Yeah, it's uh, um, Jason Lively from uh, European Vacation. He played Rusty Griswold. Uh, he and his friend uh, James JC. Carpenter Hooper. Um, By the or, way, Chris's or, uh, uh, yeah, Chris's last name is Romero. Right. Yeah, like I think just about everyone in this movie has the last name. Well, every last name that's given is the last name of a horror director. And this was directed by Fred Decker, who like these are, these are like buddies of his, you know, or just people, you know, his peers. Yeah, uh, I mean, we can run it down. There's Chris Romero, like Tony said, James Carpenter, Hooper. They call him JC. Uh, Tom Atkins plays Detective Ray Cameron. I assume it's James Cameron. Yep. Uh, there's a Cronenberg, Landis, Ramey, Craven, Baba, Minor. So yeah, lots of those. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, um, Chris and JC, they're uh, freshmen in college. Uh, they're it's it's rush week, so everybody's like kind of pledging their house. Or, Pledge yeah. week? Is rush week and pledge week the same thing? I don't know. I didn't go to college. Me neither. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, anyway, so they're, they're just kind of walking down, like, looks like fraternity row. There's all parties inside and outside of all these fraternities. Okay. So <clears throat> rush week is when you, like, go and just kind of explore different fraternities. Mm-hmm. Pledge week is when you actually, like, basically apply for one. Got it. So this must be rush week then. I'm guessing so, yeah, because they don't they don't have a fr- frat that they're. I mean, they do by the end of the scene, but right, they're not pledging to a frat at the beginning of the scene. Right. There's just all these parties, crazy parties, just frat and uh, sorority parties going on all over. Because that's what college kids do. They just party. They just party and finger each other. <laughs> just so much partying and fingering everywhere. <laughs> just fingering in the front lawn. Crazy in the back lawn. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Meanwhile, or like all the while, Chris is he's he's broken up with a girlfriend who he thought was just the love of his life. Because when you're 18, 19 years old, that's usually when you meet the love of your life. Yeah, high school sweethearts. It's it's very rare for high school sweethearts not to grow up and get married and have tons of kids and be happy forever. Especially when they go to college. Yeah, that almost always you, happens. Usually not the same college either. Right. It's really weird that it wouldn't happen for him. Right. Um, but uh, he and his friend JC, who's who's on crutches, so he's got some disability. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're really specific about what that is. I don't think is, so. <clears throat> maybe some kind of palsy of one sort or another. Maybe. Yeah, they're like the the walking crutches. Yeah. They're not like under the armpit kind of crutches. Right. Because those chafe so bad. Oh, yeah, they do. <laughs> Although, have you ever tried to use those those walk, those crutches that wrap around your forearm? No. They're, they're not easy. Really? Yeah. And it still puts the same pressure on your wrists. Yeah, I imagine, because you're going like that. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's like, you know, it's so easy for them to like kind of flip on you. Mm. But, I mean, usually the... the pressure is back so those kind of push against your arms but if you get like on the wrong direction they're just gonna go what see i'm the opposite uncle jack just give me a wheelchair i will go wheelchair (laughs) (laughs) it's like uncle jack (laughs) i won't go wheelchair 
Dragon, swoop me. <laughs> um, the Bridgmans. <laughs> um. Oh wait, this does say Pledge Week. So I get, okay. Um. Oh, and they're at Corman University. Oh yeah, yeah. there's there's another one. Uh, he sees a girl, Cynthia Cronenberg, uh, just gabbing away at the other on the other side of a party. It's just kind of one of those things where you see him across a smoky room. Yep, happens all the time. Yep. I like if I if I add a nickel for every time I saw a pretty girl from the cross across a room, I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. <laughs> They have a shitload of nickels. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and so he he decides to to try and impress this girl who he has not yet spoken to. Uh, that he's going to pledge a fraternity. Um, just happens to be pledging the same fraternity that Cynthia's boyfriend works at, or not works at. He's the pledge president, the pledge king. Yeah. He's he's the he's the head honcho. I think president is what they call him. Yeah, I'm trying to think of Animal House because that laid it out pretty pretty. Clearly. I know. That's what I was just thinking too. I was like, <laughs> but I was like, who was he? Who was the? Well, Otter was pledge president. I think was he? Yeah, and I think I think Hoover was the like the house president or the fraternity president. There's different things. I think. Well, because I mean, you you got one person in charge of pledge week or you know pledges, so it's the chapter president. Chapter, who that? Who's chapter president? I don't know. Oh. In Animal House, I don't know. Oh, I thought that's what just you're in. I, I'm just looking up what the hierarchy is. <laughs> we need to know what happened in Animal House. <laughs> Think of the end, or it'll all recapped. Um, <laughs> Hoover. It was Hoover. Was. He was the Pledge president? fraternity president. Fraternity president. President of Delta Tau Chi. Um, okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. So it's the Beta Epsilon fraternity. Um, beta was, dudes. What was his name? Rocking some beta. Uh, Brad. Brad. Rocking some beta dudes. Yep. It's yep. like the song. Yep. Um, so he, he says, he tells uh, Chris and JC that the way they get into the fraternity, which, you know, they're not going to. We, 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 know, we as the audience know that they're not going to be let in. But <clears throat> send him on a wild goose chase. Say, you have to go down to this, to the, um, the college um, medical facility, and you have to steal a cadaver um, from, from medical school. Um, freezer whatever yeah and drop it on the like their rival fraternity's doorstep right so they do it and uh at, like so they they go to the the what is is it like the medical school is that what it is medical, know, medical center they were like i wish there was a sign be like it's saying what like cadavers this way and he goes i don't know morgue yeah <laughs> um from the steel or cadaver from the medical university medical center. All right. So there we go. Um, so inside the medical center, we see Ira, um, shallowitz of Ira and Barry's ice cream yeah. before they started their <clears throat> lucrative business, uh, lucrative ice cream business. Uh, he was a lowly medical student. He was freezing bodies before he was freezing cream cream. <laughs> 
<laughs> freeze so much cream. <laughs> you wouldn't believe how much cream I freeze. Make ice. Ice cream. Mm. Ice cream. That sounds much better than frozen cream. <laughs> I think we should call it that instead. Uh, anyway, so yeah, they go in. The, this is a cryogenics lab because what college doesn't have a cryogenics lab? Sure. <clears throat> this guy, uh, he goes in and he can't remember the code to the door. So he goes back up to a payphone so he can call his roommate. Yeah, Barry. A uh, Barry, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, in the meantime, Chris and JC, they, how did they get in? I can't remember. I think he puts in like three numbers or something and he couldn't remember the last number. And so he goes to the phone and they're just like zero and the door opens. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to reveal to you guys here. I, I think I just said this on the last I episode did, yeah. that I accidentally watched these movies for the last episode, well, which was a mistake. And I just figured I remember these well enough. <laughs> Which I think I do, for the most part. Probably well enough, yeah. At least this one. I'm sure you've seen this more than once. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's a fucking A. <laughs> so the door opens, and inside we see fucking Flat Top. Yep. Just uh, in a in a, a tube, a, a cryogenics tube. You know, he's got uh, little sticky things that monitor brain waves and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's frozen. He's all froze up. Yep. Uh, they go in and they're like, all right, that's perfect. We'll take that one. <laughs> and they start pressing a bunch of buttons and the glass opens up and the body falls out. And, um, they, they like, instead of, well, the, the body falls out like onto JC, right? Yes. Or, is, or is on to Chris. I, I think it was remember. on to JC. Um, and they freak out and just get up and leave right as Ira was coming back. And he's like, Hey, what are you guys doing? You can't be here. And instead of like you know calling security or chasing him down or whatever, he goes inside, sees the body there laying on the floor, and he tries to muscle him back up into this uh, cryogenic tube. He's got a very like Doctor Frank <laughs> persona about him. Terrible news, everyone. <laughs> He's just like, "Are you the body, Glavin?" <laughs> Wait, Doctor Frank. I was thinking of. Um, uh, Futurama. Futurama. Yeah, no, I was talking about Dr. Frank from The Simpsons. Right. I can't do that voice. Glyvin! <laughs> um, <clears throat> and uh, while he's doing this, the body is thawing, and so is the little slug thing that was inside of him. Mm, yes. And it jumps out, out of his face and into Iris' face. Yes. And that's when Iris starts to wander the campus finding for his next finding his next victim. I like how he was like, or no, no, no. He, he, he's dead. You right. You don't see that until later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause, um, he, he's in the morgue or whatever. And he just like gets up and walks away and he's naked and like a, with a big bloody neck and the security guards like, Oh, see you tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this is when we jump to to meet uh, Detective Ray Cameron, played by Tom Atkins. Thrill me, <laughs> dude! Fucking, that's so stupid. <laughs> if I if I called somebody and they answered the phone, thrill me. I'd be like, go fuck yourself, <laughs> asshole. Part <laughs> of me wants to hope that that wasn't in the script. 
And Atkins was just like, I'm just going to answer the phone to thrill me. They're Every like, time. And they're like, why? <laughs> Sounds cool. Like, Whatever. Yeah. Fuck it. I don't care. I remember hearing another podcast review of this movie. And one of the guys like did like this deep dive <laughs> into the mindset of Ray Cameron. And like just talking about how like he says thrill me because he's like so burned out and he's like, oh, I've seen everything in life, you know. Now tell me something interesting. So that's why he says, throw me. It's like, man, I really don't think they thought that hard about it. I thought that, I think they probably just had him say that because it sounded cool. Thrill me. Cut. Tom, the line is just hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what if I said, thrill me? Let's try it. I think it adds something to the character. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I'm, I'm kind of lost here. So I'm trying to find my place. Well, you didn't, uh, mention, so you didn't the, mention the corpse goes to the sorority house. That's so true. To, to Cindy's sorority house. Yes. The corpse, the flat top gets up and walks across campus, presumably, in the nude. Or no, I guess he was wearing little little tidy whities wasn't he? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So he walks across campus. <clears throat> to the sorority house where his girlfriend from the 50s lived, mm-hmm. where Cynthia lives now. Um, and he falls to the floor, and his head splits open, and all these all little, little sluggies. They just scurry, scurry. scurry. Um, then I, I think a girl comes out and sees the, bo- the, the body, and um, that's when we jump to Cameron. And he he's called to the scene where the uh, you know the Emmy is already looking at it and said oh well it looks like his head got chopped open yeah and you find out that Cameron uh, was the cop on the scene when the uh, escape lunatic yeah chopped the girl's face open yeah so I guess and so that's why he's all traumatized right that's why yeah the the whole axe murderer thing is is more significant than it appears at at, at the time right. Um, he even asked the uh, coroner or whoever he's like, "Does that look like it could have been done by an axe?" Yeah, so he's like having flashbacks and PTSD and stuff. Right. Um. Let's see. <laughs> so, so yeah, the next day, um, the the frat brothers that they that Chris and JC were supposed to be pledging to, they find out about this fucking dead body on the, on the lawn of Cynthia's uh, sorority. And so Brad, he's just alpha male pissed off. Which is funny because he's a beta. <laughs> and he's like, hey man, why'd you put a bo- dead body on my girlfriend's lawn, bro? What are you doing, bro? You sound like Cartman. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's like, a, you know, like, I guess they didn't tell him specifically what um, uh, fraternity, or what which which house to to drop it on. I don't think. Did no, they he? did, and that's why did he was so mad because it was the wrong one. Okay, because I thought like he was just being like irrationally angry, just because it's like put on a random one. It just happened to be that one. No, it was supposed to, it was their rival. It was yeah, because he was, says like well, you were supposed to drop it on the Omegas or whatever. Like, right. Okay. Yeah, you dickhead. That's what he says. Yep. Doesn't say that. Fucking guy. Um, anyway. Uh, then he kicks out JC's crutch. Yeah. 
and the, which just that Cindy's done now. She just doesn't want anything to do with him. She gives him one of these. Yeah. Which and then everyone claps. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck is going on? That was for people who can't watch, which is nobody because we're not live. It's the the old you know crank up the middle finger mm-hmm. gimmick. And then yeah, everyone that's standing there applauds her, and Brad's just like, whatever. Yeah. I don't need this. And he's like, hey, bro, shades. And his 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 bro his, his bro hands him his shades and he puts them on and he probably like snaps and they all leave. Yep, because that's what cool guys do. Yep, he pops his collar yeah. and they yeah, walk away. Sweet polo. <laughs> and he's like, "Sco." <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. so the the janitor at the medical center happened to see Chris and JC leaving the night before and relayed this information to uh, Cameron, who has now found uh, the two of them at the college and takes them in for questioning. He calls him Spanky and Alfalfa. Right. Over and over. Over and over. Even later in the movie. <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, jokes like that, you get one, maybe two out of it. You can't just keep going back to the well. Yeah. Like, when the kid comes back to your house, at that point, you should probably learn his name. Right. Stop calling him Spanky. Yeah. Because it's not funny anymore. Because honestly, I like forgot. So when he's just like, vintage Spanky later, I'm like. <laughs> Who the fuck is Spanky? <laughs> it's like, ah, little rascals again. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so he, he tells him that the janitor saw him leaving, screaming like banshees. Like a banshee. Yeah, the guy, that janitor, he got such a kick out of saying that. <laughs> and every time they were like, yeah, you know, that's why we ran away. And then either the janitor or Atkins would be like, screaming like banshees. <laughs> like they had to add that on yeah. every time. Um, let's see. Uh, they say that they, they did break in, but didn't steal the corpse. And they just, since they don't have any evidence that they actually stole them, they, I think they just let him go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but that night, Ira Shalowitz rises from the grave. Yes. And, uh, runs into the, the, the poor simpleton janitor. Uh, attacks him, slugs him. Yep. <laughs> um. The next, sorry, I guess it's that night. Cynthia just happens to show up at at Chris and JC's uh, dorm, um, because she saw one of these uh, zombies walking around, and is terrified, and she thinks that. Chris and JC are the only ones that might believe her, but I don't really, I don't fully understand why. (laughs) Is that something that I completely missed or maybe I'm just forgetting? I think it was just that she was into Chris. Maybe, but had they even talked at this point? Yeah. At the party? Yeah. Okay. Because I remember her talking to JC while, while she was talking to Steve, was that his name? Fucking unibrow? Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I don't remember him, her talking to Chris. Anyway, so she goes to them, at, like saying, "I, I saw a fucking zombie," <laughs> um, and they're just like, "Ah, you're you're nuts." But you know, she starts making uh, cutie eyes at at uh, Chris, and he's like, "Well, maybe she's right." 
And then JC, being a good wingman, is just like, you know, why don't you guys kind of figure this out? I got to go take a dump. Yeah. As, as you as you do. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. So he so JC he goes goes to take a shit. Um, and uh, he's in the bathroom, and the janitor comes in there, and falls to the ground, and his head splits open, and a bunch of fucking slugs come out. A lot of these zombies just fall down. Yeah, I don't. Doesn't really ever explain why this happens. Yeah. I mean, other than like you know any like any kind of other virus or whatever, these little slugs just want to spawn and propagate. But basically, they determine that they're like. It's just, they they enter your brain through your mouth and then lay eggs and then I guess the eggs hatch but like okay now that I've talked that through now <laughs> that makes more sense <laughs> um okay but anyway yeah so he, like it's just so funny that these people just like fall over and their head just go yeah, like, like, just a pump, like a pumpkin or something um anyway so all these Slugs start scurrying around, and you know he JC is just like oh, and you know, freaks out because these things are crawling all over the place. And um, I th- what, what was it? The matches? Where did the matches come from? I don't know where the matches came from. They were just kind of there. I don't know if the janitor had them. Maybe. But he's he's trying to grab matches and uh, ends up lighting the whole matchbook, and that's when he finds out that <laughs> these things are. Um, susceptible to fire, like most things. As most things are. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I guess that makes it a little harder than, like, saying like water, sure, or, or salt. You salt slug. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <coughs> Nobody likes to salt the snail. Um. Ba 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 ba. Uh, um, Atkins overhears Cindy. He's, he was following Spanky. <laughs> and so he overhears the whole conversation. Right. So that's when he like, doesn't he like basically kidnap Chris and take him back to his house? His trailer? Yeah. And he's like, sit down, kid. He's like, let me tell you about when I murdered a man. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when we have a flashback to that that fateful night in 1959, uh, these those two kids are in their car, and we see a police officer approach and say, "Hey, you know, you guys can't be out here. We've got an escaped lunatic on the loose." And then he realizes, "Oh, this gal is my ex girlfriend who I just broke up with, um, and uh, she's with her new new sweetie or whatever." Yep. I'm trying to use fifties terms. Her bow. Her, her her boo, no boo was definitely not. In the 50s. <laughs> um. Uh, but but she yeah. So he's like, all right, well you know just get out of here, and he walks away. Um, and then uh, he's explaining that he he's out there trying to patrol, looking for this escaped lunatic, and he happens across. A car with the guy who was found about what it says about fifty feet away or, or whatever, and in the car the girl had been chopped to bits by the maniac, uh, and that's when he reveals that this is his ex girlfriend. He, he she was the one. 
Yeah. Because um, that's, I guess that's how it started. They're exchanging stories about the one. And, you know, Chris talks about this high school girlfriend that left him. And he, he talks, and Cameron reciprocates by talking about the one that got away because she was murdered. <laughs> and then how he uh, tracked down the maniac and shot him. Yeah. Um, and Chris was like, other than confessing to a murder, is there a point to this story? <laughs> and uh, Cameron's just like, oh, that's about it. <laughs> um, and then he says that he actually buried the body in the backyard of the sorority house where Cynthia lives, which is now uh, has sitting on top of it the uh, house mother's cottage which i didn't know if that was a thing i always thought house mothers lived in the sorority but i have no idea um again i didn't go to college yeah i didn't i didn't i didn't i didn't pledge a uh, sorority either (laughs) um yeah they usually don't let you if you're not in college right (laughs) or if if you're a man (laughs) yeah but i mean nowadays i don't I don't know the politics of colleges, but it seemed like they couldn't be as uh, uh, close-minded, I guess. As Yeah. Anyway. Um, this is when we see the, the house mother's cottage. She's in there watching Night of the Living Dead. Or no, was it Night of the Living Dead? Yes. Um, because it's free. Yeah. <laughs> Although... Had the had it ex, had the um, copyright expired at that point in eighty six? I don't know. Because I mean, like every movie that's been made, probably in the last twenty years or so, you know, you need if it's a horror movie and you need something, people watching something on TV, it's usually Night of the Living Dead. We've right. done it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, she's watching that and she starts hearing a thumping coming up from below the below the yard or below the floor um and it gets louder and louder and more aggressive and up from the floorboards comes a skeletal hand pulls himself out gets uh, you know pulls himself up up into the uh up into the house and uh, takes a whack at the house mother not sexually no he doesn't have a whack towards her presumably they don't show it if he does. <laughs> um, but he does does still have his axe, apparently. Seems like burying a body with a murder weapon would be a poor choice forensically. But who am I? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so now this skeleton, which has been taken over by one of these slugs, I should mention. You wouldn't think there'd be any like brain matter at this point, but again, that's the night that the skeletons came to life. <laughs> the boats are their money. So are the worms <laughs> there. Pull your hair up, up but, but not out. <laughs> Cause if they pull it out, they'll turn to bones. <laughs> Nonsense. Um, let's see. Uh, 
He so, okay, so he gets a call uh, yeah. saying from somebody in the department who says that the house mother at the sorority's been killed, and he basically knows exactly what's going on now. Um, Chris gets a voicemail from JC. It basically says, "If you're hearing this, I'm already dead." This is a record, like a little handheld recorder. Yeah, they didn't have voicemail yet, Taylor. Well, it's not the future yet because they didn't have cell phones. It's a a, a uh, primitive version of voicemail. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of creepy, and this is probably like the most depressing part of the whole movie, mm-hmm. like as far as uh, um. Um, the weight uh, uh, of of the premise, I guess, where you know, the rest of the movie is kind of goofy, and is definitely a sh- just a kind of a comedy, almost straight up. This has got some weight to it, uh, in that yeah, JC's saying, you know, I one of those slugs they they got in my mouth, and like I can feel myself starting to change, and he's like, I could walk, yeah, it's like I walked, um. He says, I found out they, they, they can't take heat. Um, so I'm going to take myself down to the boiler room and, you know, hope that they don't, you know, basically say, I, I'm hoping I can get myself down to the boiler room before they, before they take over so I can stop them before they, before they do. Um, and Why don't you just like drink some really hot tea or something? Like Some hot tea? Hot, so that's, that's what you what are? You are. <laughs> hot tea. Um. Yeah, so uh, Chris, you know, he's he's just like, no! And he runs down to the boiler room, and there we find JC's body. Yep. Uh, Head all busted open. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but we do see the little sizzling remains of a bunch of slugs. Um, And uh, that's when he goes back to Cameron's house. He says, they got alfalfa. Yeah. Cameron is in the middle of trying to kill himself. (laughs) Through the most like dramatic way possible, well, not not possible. Like, I don't know. Like he's 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 sealed off his entire house. Like he's like put duct tape around all the window sills and doorways and stuff, and just completely sealed it off. And then he blew blows out the pilot light on his stove and turns on all the gas. And that's how he's planning to kill himself. Yeah. Um. And that's when he starts hearing a pounding at the door, and he goes and sees it's Spanky, um, because that, that's the joke. Yeah, that's the joke. Yeah, he says they got alfalfa. Yeah, and um, yeah, so they gear up and they head down to the police department, and they see Big Dick Big Smith. Big Dick Miller. It's Miller. Big Dick Miller, um, and uh, he's like he's uh, the armory, yeah, guard. I guess that would be the right term. Right? Yes. Hmm? Yes. Okay. I just, <laughs> Don't overthink it. <laughs> anyway, so they go down and and uh, Cameron's just like, hey, you. Walt. Walt? Walt yeah, Walt. Yeah. Uh, hey, Walt. Uh, <laughs> I got this thing. And let me tell you, it's crazy. It's a doozy. What I need from you, <laughs> you're going to love this. I need a flamethrower. <laughs> and Walt's like, all right. Yeah. It's like, oh. You know, let me tell you a story about flamethrowers, <laughs> but I'll save it for another time. Uh, and he says, all I need is your uh, Dick requisition. Miller, Dick Miller, he's a stone cold killer. <laughs> uh, he's like, all right, I just need your requisition form. 
And you're like, well, you're going to love this. Here, don't I got one. your requisition form right here. Yeah. Points a shotgun at him. Mm-hmm. And Dick Miller's all like, <sighs> <laughs> why you got to do that? Um, so, uh, yeah, they, so they, they gear up and they head right to the, um, the sorority house and they just start kicking ass and taking names. Chewing bubble gum. Yep. Um, and, uh, yeah. And let's see, I'm trying to remember how these last few minutes play out. Uh, Cameron goes inside the house and all these gals are getting ready. Uh, It's, it's homecoming or right sure it's some kind of dance or, or whatever I, all the kids are getting dressed up and we get this little you know 80s montage of all these kids getting ready for their their night out you know tuxing up and dressing up and and, and whatnot um anyway so he goes into this sorority house where the slugs have already invaded um and he just starts capping them with a handgun as he as they're scurrying around it's like this is, this is a damn good shot <laughs> but um you know he's got all these sorority sisters running around uh losing their minds and he's just got he's got all the date the doors closed up and everything and outside chris and cynthia or no god damn it help me out here chris You're right was i chris and cynthia are Cynthia's outside because Brad has been taken. Like one of these worms got Brad. Yeah. And she doesn't compute that he's dead, even though his pasty white and his eyes are glazed over and, and, and all that, but whatever. So they're out talking on the porch and that's when Chris shows up with a shotgun and a blowtorch and a flamethrower. So he, he blows Brad's, no, does he does he actually shoot Brad, or does the head just pop open? I, no, I think does he shoot Brad or does Cameron shoot Brad? I thought I, I thought Cameron him. shot him and then Spanky used the blowtorch to burn, no that burn was the slugs as they that was out. the rest of the fraternity because that they, was mustache guy yeah so I, I'm pretty sure Chris shoots Brad his head pops open and then he as those wor- those slugs are launching out he. Takes them down with the flamethrower. The worms. Yeah. The worms are their money. <laughs> and the bones. And so, are, so are the bones. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so Cynthia, she's just... just uh, I was going to say starstruck, but that's not the right word at all. She's just, she's just like... Her brain exploded, basically. She doesn't know what the hell's going on. She's just... In this fugue state. Yeah, but also very quickly, um, Chris is just like, All right, here's a flamethrower. Just, you know, pull this trigger. And she's like, All right, yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Uh and so that's when the rest of uh Brad's fraternity starts showing up. The beta dudes. Right. And they're just doing the classic zombie walk across the front yard. Um, and they're uh Yeah, like Chris is like trying to snap Cynthia out of it and she's just Days, and eventually he's like all right i'm gonna shoot and then you then you do the thing i'm gonna shoot and you do the thing so he shoots blows the guy's head open and then like right when she needs to she snaps out of it yeah she just uh 
Rambo's that fucker. Yep. I don't know if I, I feel like I can't I can't remember all five movies right off the top of my head, but I feel like Rambo probably used her flamethrower at some point or another. Probably. Probably was in Second Blood. Second, second Blood. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. They so, kill a zombie with a lawnmower. Yeah. They go in the basement uh, where uh, Cameron is. He's got duct tape over his mouth. And there's like he's like, what the fuck are you doing in here? Get out of here. And he's like th- throwing gas onto this big fucking mountain of these slugs. Uh, and uh, he's getting ready to um, light them all on, on fire because he's, he's ready to die. He, just, he doesn't care anymore. Yeah. So they, Chris and Cynthia, they run, and he's, he's counting down, um, and like, yeah. So like, he he lights a match and tosses. There's a cigarette. That's a Zippo. So, okay. He's got the Zippo. He's been like flicking up in all all movie. Right. Okay. Thank you. Man, I really should have rewatched this. I thought I remembered it so much better than I did. Um. So yeah, because he, he tosses the Zippo onto the the mountain of of slugs, and the whole house just goes boom. Well, don't forget, he's like, camera starts counting down, basically telling uh, Chris and Cindy, you know, you've got this long to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and so as they're running, they're counting down, and they get outside, and he's like, you know, two, one, thrill me, Officer Cameron. Right. Got to get that last one in there. <laughs> Uh, and then the house explodes. But I just want to comment. Gas does not explode like that. <laughs> gas lights on fire. In order for gas to explode, it has to be compressed. Yeah, there wasn't also like a tank, was there? That he had, or a, like something that he had opened? I don't think so. I feel like there might have been. Wait, uh, let's see. His camera opens up the gas. Oh, okay. He does open up the gas valve. Okay. Okay, I get. I forgot that part. Um. Anyway, so yeah, that's that's pretty much the end. Um. So there was a theatrical ending and the original like director's ending. Um. Which one did you get? The original ending. Okay. I think that's pretty much the one that's out there now. I think yeah. you have to actually look for the theatrical ending. Uh, the theatrical ending. Uh, the dog. Um, okay, so left that apart. There was a part where the the fraternity was, you know, they're taking a bus to wherever they're going to to party, whether it's a dance or, or whatever. Uh, this dog that it's a little zombie dog. Yeah, it's got a one of the slugs. It runs out in front of a bus. Driver swerves. The bus goes over. Did you notice? Like, it's so fast. It's like a split second. But just before the driver swerves, he's like, ah, and his eyes like bug out like large Marge. <laughs> I didn't catch that. No. Um, it's like there's a couple of things in this movie that are just flat out from a cartoon. Yeah. And, but they're all like super quick. There's like that. And there's another one where there was like a blood splatter on the screen, but it was literally like a cartoon. It was just like a drawing. Like it looked like something from Nickelodeon, <laughs> but it was bright red instead of bright green or bright orange. Like. <laughs> uh anyway so yeah the um the that dog shows up and 
See this. He spits a slug in Cindy's face. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually seen this ending. So I, yeah, he dog walks up to Cynthia. Cynthia picks him up, um, and yeah, slug jumps out, presumably getting into her mouth. But the way this ends, the way probably most people have seen this end, is as they're standing outside the the house. Um, we see all the cop cars starting to you know go to the scene, and down the street walks. I now very much dead charred uh, uh, Cameron. Yeah, he's just black head to toe. Um, but he's just walking looks like fucking Looney Tunes. Yeah. I was gonna say he looks like uh almost like Judge Doom because his hair is all burned off. He's, <laughs> um but he's walking down the street and he falls over, his head cracks open, all these slugs uh scurry out of his head. They go down the sidewalk into, or you know, underneath this iron gate, and it pans up, and we see that this is a cemetery. Dun dun dun. <laughs> and that, but then overhead we see the spaceship with the spotlight. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, sorry, Search guys. Searchlights. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't remember this as well as I thought. I uh, definitely had undeserved confidence. <laughs> anyway, so you've seen this before? Yeah. Okay. What What do you think? I mean, it's goofy. It's, oh, yeah. it's like almost parody. Almost, yeah. Um, it definitely has all those tropes in it, but just kind of makes it goofy. Yeah. But like the the goofiness is so kind of like like quick and like short mm-hmm. and it, interspersed in a way that it doesn't come across as like a national lampoon or like a you know um Max Brooks movie or something like yeah but it it also makes it stand out even more so when it happens you're just like what the fuck was that yeah <laughs> also i mean like you know, Fred Decker, he made this movie because he was so inspired by the by by 50s movies. And so that's kind of why a lot of this felt so much like something you'd see out of the 50s. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, that's why he incorporated a lot of aliens because those were so big in the 50s. And zombies were kind of slowly starting to become a thing, um, you know, leading more into the 60s, obviously. But... Um, yeah, apparently this was his uh, directorial debut, which I was not aware of. But I didn't know that either. Mm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, definitely really goofy. Like I, I almost wonder if it was in, supposed to be as goofy as it was. Oh, it had to be because they they put so much heart into that like thrill me thing. And it's like, like they they really bet bet the farm on it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just it's so over the top that it feels like it had to have been intentional. Yeah. I mean, you know, Fred Decker he he went on to do Monster, Monster Squad. Squad, which was was basically more of this. Um and he also did Robocop three, which we don't talk about. We that. don't talk about that one. <laughs> That's so bad. 
Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, they're, they're not, not your typical zombies. They're not, uh, it's, it's not a virus situation. It's, it's, you know, we used the words possessed earlier, but that's more or less what it is. It's these slugs, you know, get in your brain and take over. Yeah. It had a very like, uh, body snatchers. Yeah. Element to it. Um, which again, you know, the whole fifties and sixties horror film era. And this is, it played out a lot. Well, I don't know. I think like a lot of fifties and sixties horror movies were less intense than this, but I don't know. I can't exactly put into words, but it had a very fifties feel to it. Well, I say fifties and sixties, but I don't know. I can't really, verbalize what that means but it felt very similar to something you would have seen made in the 50s yeah uh subject matter aside it just had that kind of but sci-fi you know sci-fi was really big in the 50s and 60s that's that kind of um you know sci-fi double feature yeah kind of thing yeah yeah uh, i mean the whole opening scene well after the aliens um opening scene of you know being in 59 uh just encapsulated a lot of the stuff you see in those 50s movies oh yeah to unsuspecting kids uh you know lover's lane lover's lane point like escaped mental patient crazy person yeah and um uh you know aliens and aliens invading earth that that type of thing Mm -hmm. a lot of 50s elements involved in this um but and it, even though that wasn't as heavy-handed in the rest of the movie, it still carried over because it still felt like it had a lot of uh, 50s, 60s sci-fi elements to it, yeah. s- story-wise. Um, yeah, and you know, it, it's an it's an 80s horror movie, so you expect a lot of cheese, which you definitely got. Mm. Um, and it's like, I've, I've talked about Tom Atkins before, but I just, I can't take that guy seriously. Like he is like, seems like always like he's like horror royalty. Uh, people just love him in like in this and Halloween three in, uh, howling. Wait, no, he wasn't in the howling. Uh, what the hell else am I thinking of? Fuck. My Bloody Valentine? That's the remake. Uh, Creepshow? Escape from New York? The Fog? Uh, yeah, I guess probably The Fog is probably the one I'm thinking of the most. But yeah, he wasn't Creepshow. I forgot about that. <clears throat> anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> People just love him, but I, just, I can't take him seriously. Like... He's putting so much into it, which I appreciate, <laughs> but he's, he's so schlocky. He's a ham. Oh, yeah. But it's like, how much of that is on purpose versus him just like being completely unaware that he's doing it? Yeah, that's hard to say. Um, but yeah, Rusty Griswold, he was, I don't know, like... I felt like JC was a more interesting character. JC reminded me a lot of Evil Ed. Yeah. Definitely had that goofy best friend vibe, but also that, just their like 
dichotomy felt very weird science. Yeah. Definitely. Um, although it seemed like the the roles were reversed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, funny you mentioned uh, weird science because Cynthia, that's the one other movie I've seen her in. Yes. She's the perfume, was, perfume county girl. There's multiple characters <clears throat> in this that I was like, where do I know that person from? And you've unlocked them both for me. Thank you. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah, this is one of those movies that, like, I feel like people either, like, really like it or really hate it because it's just they either, like, really, like, throw themselves into the the cheese and, and the schlock of it and just love it or they think it's just too stupid and just don't even want to bother with it. Yeah. Seems like there's not a lot of middle ground with this one. Yeah. Um, but I like it. I, I do too. I, I I like it a lot. I mean, I, I, it's definitely like it's different for a zombie movie because there's not a lot of like eating people. Yeah, which and is it, such a staple of zombie movies now. But yeah, it. it um, I mean, you mentioned it before that it's it's a different kind of alien, one you don't really see very often at all. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it's more of a parasite rather than a virus or or something of that nature. It's came from space which is not something you see often at all um so yeah it even like you know when we're trying to pick zombie movies for this episode i don't know did you you picked little monsters pretty quickly didn't you i think so yeah yeah this one i I was kind of tossing around some ideas and like i was hesitant to pick this one because it technically qualifies as a zombie movie i mean they call them zombies they they do yeah but it's not a typical zombie um, but you know, with all these different kinds of zombies out, right? Just kind of there's a wiggle room, yeah. Anyway, um, all right, we've been going on long enough. Yep. Uh, I'll give this a, an eight. Um, I'm gonna go seven. Did a little, uh, little flip flop there. Little, yeah, a little steel switcheroo. Yeah. <laughs> The old reach around. <laughs> just stir some Brent you. <laughs> um, all right. Well, this was actually a very long fun size episode. Uh, You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so God damn. I should have mentioned that I'm so fucking tired. I can't even keep my thoughts straight. We're going to be back next week with a brand new episode, and uh, this is a very special episode. Every year, we'll have our Gravediggers over on Patreon, who we did not thank at the beginning of the episode. I don't think we usually do on the fun size episodes. We don't? Mm-mm. Oh. Okay. Well, um, anyway. You guys know you're thanked. Yeah. We know we love you. What? You know we love you. Long time. <laughs> so hoard. We love them horde. Love you horde. Uh, we're gonna be back next week, and we're gonna talk about um, our week of the Patreon. Creature. <laughs> well, yeah. So our, oh. our grave diggers have picked the subject for um, for next week. Uh, we put it out them out there to them to uh, throw some subjects or some topics, and we would pick the best of the lot. And we landed on Taylor week of the creature. Creature, creature, creature. Echo. Yeah. 
Echo, echo, echo. Uh, what are we going to be watching? Uh, we're going to be watching Feast 2, Sloppy Seconds, <laughs> as well as the 1988 remake of The Blurb. <laughs> so look out for that, guys, and I promise I'll be much more energetic. Don't promise that. <laughs> Don't make promises you won't keep. Um, well, I'll, I'll try. I'll make, I'll make a concerted effort. Uh, until then, where can people find us, Taylor? They can find us at greatplotpodcast.com, as well as wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Put a little something in the text box. doesn't matter. We're not going to read it, but it does help us, us get like up the charts. Um, just put you know your favorite zombie movie or put uh, your favorite Taylor Swift song. <laughs> you can please, also, please don't do that. <laughs> you can also follow us on social media. We are everywhere as Grave Plot Podcast, except on Twitter, where we are grave underscore plot. And uh, also check out GreatPlotFilmFest.com. Currently accepting submissions, short horror films, 15 minutes or less. Great Plot Film Fest comes to Seattle, Washington, February 3rd, 2024. Uh, tickets will be on sale Halloween day. So look forward to seeing you all there. And also, if you want to become a Patreon patron and do things like pick uh, a topic for Octoberama, you can go to Patreon.com slash Podcast. Yeah. And thanks again to Langley West for coming on the show. Uh, really enjoyed talking to him. Um, and uh, go check out bleedingham.com for tickets to Bleedingham and all the information you could possibly need about it. All right. So until we talk again next week, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And this has been the Grave Flat Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs>